I think it's just as foolish to think that if you write things that you don't like necessarily right out of the mm-hmm. gate, that you shouldn't release them because you don't like them. Yeah, as maybe. if you're the, it's the same thing. It's like, if one is true, the other has to be true. Maybe if you don't like a song. the art you make and, <laughs> but everyone's like that. Maybe that's how like those child pop stars feel. Like they're like, this is weird. What am I doing? But right. everyone's screaming their names. So they keep doing it. Right. Like, oh, <laughs> okay. All right, all right. All right. Well, seems to be working. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always collaborating at all times with the universe as soon as i get the wireless in ears for this it's fucking game over <laughs> the problem is they last like two hours for like uh whatever the fuck the the batteries last oh yeah are your guys packs do your packs recharge packs. or yeah we got the double double a batteries and they recharge yep. yeah i need to fucking commit <laughs> i'm like yeah. i want to get the ones that recharge and then they make a you know what brand your packs are Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it powers on and I'm happy. Yeah, like I can hear the song. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's so funny because like there's all levels of uh, engagement when it comes to musicians and their gear. And mm-hmm. like, just click to him real quick. Yeah, looks good. Then back to me. Oh, so good. And then, <laughs> and then on the wide. <clears throat> I never, I usually do these like soft opens because I don't want to, I don't want it to be like, it's like, okay, and welcome to the Collaborative oh, Show yeah, or fucking yeah. anything like that. Right. It's just supposed to be conversational. I feel like I, people are more genuine when they don't feel the pressure of having to deal with that. Yeah. And I would just rather have that be the way that I, I fucking run. I feel like people are more comfortable. It's already bad enough. There's lights and like shit. Yeah, it's so a whole like, thing. Yeah, it's a whole <laughs> fucking thing. Uh, the last time you were here, we were doing it's photos photo for the shoot, first. Yeah, yeah for the yep. pillar wall. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've taken them all and put them in the folder. I think I shared the folder with him or I've sent him like the pictures, but I, oh, yeah. he hasn't like done anything with them yet. You had that one where my hair was like off so cool. and you thought it was the best one. It was the fucking best one. I looked like Wolverine, yes. which to you might sound like a great thing. What the fuck is that supposed <laughs> to be? Yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm, what, what the, whatever. Um, so Eric Damiana, man. Is that right? Damiano? Damiano? Damiano. You get pissed when people say Damiano? Well, my dad kind of says it like that, actually. So I'm thinking that I might say it wrong, (laughs) honestly. I might be fucking on my own name. Yeah, his name is Anthony Damiano. And I'm like... That sounds like more of an accent inflected into his name. It's like Philly or something. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you from? I'm from Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Downingtown? Which is Chester County. It's 30, 40 minutes outside of Philly. Yeah. um, That's that's the, the OG spot. Uh... Okay, I just gotta like collect myself or say I've had this fucking day today, dude. Yeah. I'm like, my brain is like, it's fried and it can't be. I'm like, keep kicking, kick through the fucking fumes. Yeah. Um, what did you guys have going on? Did they practice or anything? No, I was just working all day, just hanging out. Yeah. And then I got home, reset a little bit, and then got got out here to do this. And then once I'm done this, I'm gonna go do some music stuff. You guys recording tonight? <laughs> uh, I am, but um. Like the band were, I don't know, the band's just not doing anything today. Uh, I know Ethan was like, he was there the other night for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you switch to the wrong fucking screen? I'm sorry, sorry. I saw it. The screen went black. (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, uh, uh, yeah, so I had you, I texted you earlier, just sort of like things you want to talk about. And uh, you basically pointed to everything that I already kind of do talk about. Yeah, but I've seen a couple episodes, so. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's what's funding these mugs. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the branding. So I want to walk back, like, because 
uh, for people that don't know you, you were kind of this anomaly that kind of came into the My Hero Zero space whenever <laughs> oh, yeah. you, whenever you yeah. like walked on the scene. You went, were you interning before? No, I wasn't. You were so. just hanging out at the studio. Yeah, I, that's how I, I met you. I was a senior at Penn State and um, I heard about like Happy Valley Song Lab and I kind of just called the number and was like, hey. What do you, what are you, what is this are a real you? place? What? <laughs> and Angel picked up and she immediately was like, oh my God, yes, this is Angel from Happy Valley Song Lab. And it was this huge customer service thing. And I was like, yeah, uh, I'd love to just like come do stuff. And uh, I went over there and I was working with the interns, not these ones, uh, the uh, the last set of the interns. last batch. Yeah. And um, we were doing like songwriting stuff and we actually worked on two of my songs that I have out in Jason's studio. And then I got like a final mix of them done, released those. And um, yeah, from there, Jason was kind of like, you want to come to a show on the weekend and like sing a song? And I did. And it was just a lot of fun. So then they asked if I want to come along for the summer. And then the summer just turned into like a... You're <laughs> like, and now here I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before you made the jump and and doing all of that, what was your experience with music like before, like back home? Yeah. So when I was younger i didn't really have much of a musical experience i mean i was in chorus class from like middle school to high school and it was like whatever you know that's where those pipes come from that's where they come from like i wasn't really trying to do trying to like do music or anything but then um my senior year uh i really started you know it's kind of interesting because i feel like back in the day when people were like I want to really get into music. They they picked up an instrument. They like learn the piano or the guitar. Right. Nowadays, when a kid, a teenager, hears or like figures out they want to start doing music, they immediately download Logic and like start right. working with every instrument there is in the world on their at their fingertips, and they like learn how to do stuff like that. I mean, the other the other thing still exists. I feel like that's how um, like a lot of people get started. That's how I started. I was trying to like learn the guitar and the piano, and um, yeah, but I just, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to think about. But my senior year, yeah, I was taking like private lessons with my chorus teacher. The only reason I was doing that was because uh, I wanted to do like this talent show at the end of the year. <laughs> and I I wanted to do it. Smoke all of them. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> show them the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't win, but um, I wanted to do it. And it was also like kind of a comedy thing. So I did like Justin Bieber parodies. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like went with the full Justin Bieber outfit. I'll show you pictures later. Swoop the hair and everything. Yeah. You like, do it by generation. Like, I wore like for a different... beanie and stuff. <laughs> and I did like the covers of the songs. And um, it was a lot of fun. But while I was doing that, my, my teacher was like, you know, if you wanted to do this, you could like totally do this. And I was – I didn't really know what he meant, but he, he kind of showed me a lot more than just like the music aspect of it. Um, you like know, music the, theory or like no just uh like the music branding side how to be an artist kind of like how where where you even start yeah with this stuff so it's fucking awesome yeah I feel like that's not like a, an infrastructure that exists in schools not at all i feel like it almost fucking not it might as well all. start being incorporated yeah it's uh you know you there's so many music classes in schools but they don't ever teach you like music business i mean right. i didn't get that until i was in school here and i try and i like seeked that class out as an elective what was your major i was an advertising major Okay. All right. Yeah, but every elective I did was something music. I took like songwriting. <laughs> it was really obvious earlier on that you yeah. didn't have some sort of like a minor in music. And did you minor in music? No, I didn't. That? The there were so many prerequisites, and every single time I'd um, I'd like email the professor like, "Hey, I don't meet the prerequisites, but like this is who I am. This is what I do. I take this seriously because I already had like a 
kind of like a, a full Spotify setup. I had like the social media thing set up and I was like, these other people probably aren't even doing that. So oh, like, yeah, for I sure. write songs, let me in the songwriting class. And then I went into the songwriting class and they were using words I had never heard in my life. But I mean, I was still writing capable songs, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You don't really have to have the music theory background to kind of pick yeah, up and figure out. I mean, if, uh, so I was always told that the easiest way or the best way to learn was to pick up an instrument that you want to learn, mm-hmm. find a song that you want to learn on that instrument and to just go through the grind of do, getting to yourself to like a, a negligibly good level there. And then if you can start figuring out a way around whether it's piano or guitar or whatever, and you kind of hit a plateau, you're like, okay, well now I need to kind of get the infrastructure in place of how this all works and why. Right. But if you kill yourself trying to, or the buzz and the fun of like learning the instrument because you're going through scales or you're just doing oh these repetitive God. exercises, yeah. I mean, they're there to, to kind of, to build the foundation, but the foundation can't be just this like, you know, beginning skill set. It yeah, has exactly. to be the fucking interest in the inter- instrument and in- interest in music in general. Like if you kill that early, you kind of have fucked yourself later on because you're like, ah, some people quit. Like they'll quit because they take their parents sign them up for lessons, make mm-hmm. them take lessons, and they're like, you know, you're playing hot cross buns on yeah. a fucking recorder <laughs> or whatever it is. You're learning like the C major scale. Yeah, and you're like, okay, but sucks. how does this apply to this song that's on the radio that I like yeah. rip down the road in my car and screaming at the top of my lungs? Exactly. Uh, were you always interested in singing because of chorus, or were you like more interested in other aspects of music? Um, well, when I was in elementary school and middle school, my I wanted to be a rapper. So, oh, okay. I mean, look, I'm not even. I was like eight years old, not listening to Eminem. Like that's probably probably shouldn't have been happening. Not a good example. But, <laughs> but no, I the, I the thing I liked about rap and that kind of stuff was just like how clever it was yeah you know, being yeah. able to say a bunch of words internal rhyme schemes so i was like writing rap songs when i was in middle school but then i got to high school and i realized that i don't necessarily have have the the fundamentals of rap down i don't really know what it is to be a rapper i didn't want to be that at all i realized how how much goes into doing that. Yeah. And I felt like I might be more of a singer songwriter. So I started, uh, like focusing more on singing. I think if that was your path, you would have gone that way. Like oh, you, yeah, I think for you, sure. you choose to either dig deep into something or you choose to, okay, music is the thing for sure. That's the calling, but maybe not this genre. Maybe it's something else. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, always weird sure. what guides a person from one direction to another. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I look at the skill set that goes into, you know, what any rapper or what, you know, white or black have yeah. to do purple. Uh, they, the, the commonplace thing that I see a lot is that you need to be writing a lot. Like you have to be writing. It's constantly like verbiage and, mm-hmm. you know, like Eminem used to like study the dictionary and yeah, that's all the me. producers that work with him are like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I like a good thesaurus every now and again, but yeah. Like, and he will sit down and, uh, a lot of the producers that worked with him said that he, uh, he always has like notebooks on him constantly. Right. And so I always think of uh, Cody, Coconut Wolf. And oh, he's yeah. like literally – he'll just go someplace during the All day. All the time. And he just makes it a habit. It's like a part of his day to show up and just sit down and write and do the do the damn thing. Like, mm-hmm. And so he has – if you look at like a skill tree in a circle and a pie chart or whatever, like where arrows can point in different directions of what your strengths are, his is definitely like lyricism and being you know clever and poetic. And right. he's kind of got like a slam poetry feel to things. And, and I'm currently working with like this ensemble of three rappers right now and – each one of them is so vastly different and their skill sets are so vastly different yeah. so that but when they work together, they can kind of create things that are uh, – they're somehow 
synchronous. Like they come together in a way that they kind of coalesce with each of their shortcomings into like this totally new thing that neither one of them could do on their own, but all three of them together do pretty well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just a different wheelhouse. Uh, but go on. So you went the singer songwriter route. Yeah. Um, basically from there, I, I, cause that kind of started, I would hear my brother playing the guitar and like the key older brother. Yeah. My older brother, he's seven years older than me and I would hear him playing the guitar and the piano and I'd be like, Oh, that's like awesome. I want to do that. And then I pick up the guitar and it would hurt my fingers. And I took like piano lessons and my teacher was like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, this sucks, man. So I kind of just like, I was like, how do you even get past the initial hurdle? How does anyone ever do that? And then it wasn't until recently, like I got way older that I realized that you should really just probably teach kids like how to play the open chords. And then, Hey, guess what? If you play E minor DCG, you're going to be able to play all your favorite songs and then go from there. So at least they're having fun doing it. Yeah. 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 You can at least get the the bar chord area is like a good way to get you into like the, okay, I'm making the sounds. Now, how do I get the chords? Yeah. (laughs) Because now where I'm at with instruments, it's incredibly fun. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, and all I had to do was make it past that fucking hurdle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We did a co-write with Ronnie Radke. He's a singer in a band called Falling in Reverse. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went out and I played him some of our songs. Uh, or I sent him a couple songs and he was like, yeah, let's, let's co-write these. Like come out and let's go come out to LA and let's do some of these co-writes. So we, I think we did two or three songs and one of them was in six, eight. So it's kind of like that has that swing kind of, uh, you know, yeah. waltz feel to it. <clears throat> and he was showing me what his ideas were. And he was, he picked up a guitar. I was like, oh, I didn't know you play guitar. He's like, oh, I can't fucking play guitar to save my life. <laughs> He's like, I just can play. I learned how to do this so that I could write songs like i can get a feeling right and so if you can start with a feeling and write into that he's like i got musicians that are, at the time he had this guy uh jackie i think his name jackie vincent he's like an amazing guitar like virtuoso mm-hmm. and just an absolute shredder he's like i'm never gonna learn i'm never gonna i don't want to go down the rabbit hole to be that good like yeah. i that's that requires so much time and patience and effort to get to there so he's like but i can get the feel down and then maybe his inflection on that will alter the way that this kind of comes together. And he's got a good A-list roster of producers he's able to work with, so that doesn't hurt. But just for getting these ideas down in scratch, it's, it is. Like, you give them the bar chords, and he can write anything. Like, he, has, he writes, like, all of it. He demos all of his songs out in that format, and then they get refined whenever they go into the, you know, whatever oh, his, yeah. his group's meat grinder is that turns you know, <laughs> makes the sausage. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of my first foray into being like, oh, I don't have to learn how to play all the guitar just to write. Like I can get, yeah. I, get I get feelings. I get, you know, I can write melodies to chords or, or melodies to, uh, you know, to, to the notes, to the bar chords. But yeah, I've never, I've never branched past that. Like you right. hit that wall and you're like, fuck this. Cause there's <laughs> no fun spending any mere, any period of time spent in the phase of sucking at a new instrument or a new task or anything you're doing is like grueling to have to put up with. Yeah. But you have to get past that part. And so I guess I, I lucked out and I just chose singing. And then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, my deal is going to be, I'm going to have to have a whole fucking band behind me. Yeah. Otherwise I'm not going to be writing music. And the thing about singing is like, you can do it anywhere. You don't actually need anything. It's oh, like yeah. you always have a toy on you at all times. If you're a singer, you right. can just like yeah. start singing. If you have your voice, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and then it's like a lot, it comes natural to a lot of people. Why did you jump into chorus then in, in middle school? It was really easy. Uh, <laughs> has no bearing on my interest like, in singing. We, it, it was, was actually, just easy. Yeah, it was actually mandatory to take a music class. And the oh, okay. other ones were huge commitments. You had to like get the instrument. You had to do all this stuff. But the chorus class was like, it was a music option. And then um, there also, the general music class was music theory. And it kind of was, 
That seemed, too much a little, too. that seemed a little hard. Yeah, you jump right into the deep yeah, end. Because when I was 11, 12, I had no idea about anything. So right. I just kind of did the thing that required the least amount of me. And then I got to high school and I stuck with it. And that's where I really just started to love it. You know, I I never thought it would be me, but it was totally me. Before you jumped into it, were you doing, were you singing a lot before that? Not really. Not actually really? singing. I was just kind of, I mean, in, in like the car and stuff, but that's where everybody starts. I fucking back that. Sure. Yeah, 100%. I had a piece of shit 92 Cavalier that had a tape deck in it that my dad, he like, he made me buy my car. It was like his old work beater. Yeah. And he fucking made me pay for it. And it was like, it had like 300,000 miles or something. It was something absurd. Like, this car was on its last legs and I kept it kicking for like a solid two years. <laughs> and uh, I remember making like Winnet playlists on um, my computer. And I had my, uh, like, a three disc Iowa CD changer. And I used like the, like whatever the phone headphones out port or whatever, or the, uh, the input channel was yeah. to be able to basically make a playlist on Winamp, find out what the length of the cassette tape is, make a playlist. It was just under that. Uh, and then hit record, then hit play. And then it'd have to go through the whole yes, thing. Man. But when it was done, I had this tape mix. And so I was able to, this fucking dates me hard, but like, <laughs> like Kazaa and Napster and Morpheus and all these different like peer to peer sharing uh, platforms has started to kind of uh, come around. And so I had a friend who had a Napster account. And so he was like burning me CDs and like he, five bucks, you could get a CD for him. Illegal as fuck, by the yeah, way, Kyle Butler. <laughs> and so, but I mean, I, it was like giving me access to all the music that I like to You're listen the to. Problem. Uh, yeah, I'm the problem You're for sure. I was a consumer. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, just aiding and abetting uh, all kinds of piracy. And uh, so I had access to finally, once I had my own, you know, ability to when peer-to-peer sharing platforms got more universally uh, not acceptable, but LimeWire was like a really big one. Everybody had the ability to do that. And so uh, I would start to download everything I wanted, anything by any band ever. And the worst fucking part was I would find a band that I liked and then I would uh, think that that was the band and that was like actually the band. You'd find out some asshole was (laughs) promoting his band. And so he just changed the name of the artist or whatever to his. And then in the metadata, you could see what their real name was. And I was Uh like, oh, well, back then it wasn't like, you know, we take for granted that Spotify literally curates everything. So it's like, here's all the artists, all of the song names. They can be whatever the fuck they want, but you're going to be able to know that that one is tied to that artist always. And I had the biggest fucking problem because I would go through and I would change all of my songs names to like artist and then oh yeah the song name and i had to type them out fucking manually i used to have thousands of songs on a hard drive that if somebody has it it's like a time capsule into my life but where i was going with all of this was uh, that 92 cavalier man i fucking belted i was like before <laughs> i was real i was just starting to drive and it was like okay now i don't have to take the bus to school fuck everyone else and then you drive to school and i've got like a 15 minute drive every day so it was like cool let's jam like the yeah. whole way there and back And then later, like right when I was doing my undergrad at Penn State, I was doing delivery driving for for a bunch of different places. And so when you're a delivery driver, it's like you need to have your soundtrack to rip around and deliver shit in, which was low-key the best job ever if you didn't have to eventually pay to replace the vehicle you're putting all the wear and tear on. Just ruin your car. Yeah, but just drive – like, okay, (laughs) I go back. Some of the places made you want to do – they like made you do dishes and I was like, fuck that. And so I would leave those places and go to the places where it was just you show up. Hey, here's a bag. Actually, here's four bags. I used to work for Wings Over Happy Valley for a short stint. My buddy was one of the managers there. And it was like you show back, get your bag, get your like six bags, run out of the car and just go. And then you're just ripping and tearing, singing the whole way. And so that's how – yeah, I mean that's how I got my start. It was just being in the car, jamming all my favorites. And then you know, one time I'm in a car with uh, my now bandmate Nick – 
And he was like, wow, you've got a fucking set of pipes. Can you, can you learn this song and sing this? And it was it was a Fall Out Boy song, and I forget what it was. I'm Grand Theft Autumn or something, maybe Dance Dance or I don't know, Sugar We're Going Down, something maybe. And uh, he was like, dude, if you can do this, you can you can sing in a band. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know how to write. Like, I don't yeah. know. What, like, you hear music and you're like, cool, what? Like, what is the next step in this? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it got, it got really, that was what got me into it. And then I was like, okay, cool, I'm passionate about this thing, but I can't. I don't know how to write. So then you have to kind of like go through the process of, you know, being vulnerable and learning to suck and just ad-libbing yeah. and trying things and being like, that's not good. You find out really quick what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And, and luckily you can work and improve on like all of them. But yeah, it's definitely a weird thing. Not being able to write is, I feel like everyone feels that way at some point, regardless of how good they are. At writing. I feel like it now and I write all the time. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to write. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just like, this is, and that's the, that's the grand experiment. It's all, nobody knows what they're fucking doing. Everybody's just doing the thing that they think sounds good. Right. And if you've got a music theory background, you're like, okay, well, these chords tend to go better with these. Um, you, you're obviously active on TikTok. You follow hook theory at all. I'm not sure exactly what that is. It's like one of my favorite musician like side of TikTok. TikTok. Kind of thing. They just break down whatever the top 20 radio hits are. They're like, these are the, of, of this week, they do it like every week. Oh, and it's I'll like, these it are their chord progressions. Like these yeah. are the progressions of these songs. And you start to see some and you're like, wow, there's only two chords in that whole song. And it's like, yeah, they just do some sort of like back and forth. And yeah. the way they change section by section is not by changing the progression that's taking place, but by changing what else is going on in the arrangement around it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so when did you start tapping into your songwriting side of you? Well, when I was um, – I guess when I was in college. So what what was going on was I was basically posting these covers. I was kind of posting them on Instagram, not very consistently. And then I discovered TikTok. I discovered TikTok way before everyone else did. When it was not, musically or – No, I mean I, I had that too. I did too. Don't tell said, anyone I had that, but it said, I did have that. Well, it was dormant on my – I had it like <laughs> in my social media thing. I never used it. I got it and I was like, I don't get what the fuck this yeah. is and I was out. Well, when it became TikTok, I, I don't know exactly when that was. I just – what I meant by that is I had it before all my friends had it. Okay. And I was being made fun of for having it downloaded, but – it was cool. I thought it was awesome. I didn't realize that how hilarious it was or how like right. many talented people were on there. But um, I started out on TikTok by like doing comedy videos. I had an account that was called – I actually don't even remember what I named it. It was stupid. <laughs> and it had like 100,000 followers on TikTok. Damn. And um, then eventually – that was when I really realized that it doesn't really matter how many followers you have on TikTok because the engagement is like everything. Right, right, um, right. So my account died completely like – it's, yeah. It refused to collab and it just died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, it had like 100,000 followers almost and it was getting like a few thousand views per video. And I was just not having fun doing it. I was like, this sucks. Were you doing like skits and things like that? Yeah, like skits. Bro, was- we should definitely do that. that <laughs> that's not gone. That's just something you have to fuck. Like you said, you have to engage with it. Yeah, make, no, you know, the, account, the account's the like deleted now. But because um, I, I started doing the music thing and I was like, I don't really want that thing to be just as equal to the music thing. Cause I don't care about that at all. You know, the, Dude, this the is just company. me fucking around. Yeah, I was here. just like, yeah, I was literally just fucking around. So I started posting covers on TikTok, and for like, I guess the entirety, it was like, I think I started doing that in like 2019, all the way in, like into into 2020. I was uh, like posting covers, not so consistently, but then I really started going after it in like the summer of 2020. And then one day, I was kind of just like, you know. For the longest time, I feel like I needed to post these covers, get an audience, and then I'll be able to post my original music to a platform. It's a but, route. You can do it that way. Yeah, but also, it, like, I was like, you know what? It, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to post a song I wrote, see what happens. Even though I only had – I had, like, 
few hundred followers on TikTok and I like posted a song that I wrote and that was the thing. Immediately people were like, yes, this is cool. It got like a hundred thousand views and I was like, okay, that's fucking weird. What was the song? It was Haunted Mansion. Don't tell anyone I said that. <laughs> Please don't look that up. <laughs> it up. No, I'm just, I, I like the song. The reason, I just don't really like that song. I I got it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Is that that's like a byproduct of you being like, I hate my old shit. Yeah, I was kind of just trying. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of just trying something out. And then I once it kind of it I guess like went viral, quote unquote. It was it got like a hundred thousand views and I kept posting it and it kept getting a lot of views. And I felt very pressured to finish it and put it out. I was like, oh, looks like I'm an artist now. That's great. <laughs> oh shit, I guess I stumbled into this one. Ah, yeah. fuck, I stepped in it. Now yeah. I'm an artist now. And then I that one I put it out, it was like doing pretty well. Um and then I was like, you know, let me just post another one. And that one went like, went like crazy. Even that bigger. Was, that was half my heart. The okay, one I gotcha. That like, uh, that's around the time that I, th I stepped into like meeting you and seeing you around. I think because I remember seeing I followed you not too long after that, and you do this thing that I don't do that I fucking need to deep dive into your brain about, where you repost the same. It's literally just you. <laughs> doing yeah. the thing over your song and it's like okay here i am like i'm you could do it on a fucking toilet i bet and it would still get just as much traction i've but done you, it next, next to a toilet before <laughs> but like you do it consistently you're not afraid to kind of like repurpose the exact same thing you're already doing yeah. in a new way right and that's what short form content is all about like mm -hmm. you're not uh, like for me i come from the era of youtube where you had to kind of up the bar on the quality of the music videos you were putting out, which is great. But then you find out there are a lot of people that are doing that, that don't have actually have like a really decent eye for it. And so some of the YouTubers that I've hooked up with that are like really, really good at what they do, that's what they liked about me. They're like, it's amazing to me that you guys aren't bigger than you should be or you are because you have a better eye than people that I see that do this all the time with a piss poor eye for, for putting yeah. it together. Like the vision, like the visual vision for what they're trying to do is not there. And so once you kind of have that sort of like I, that validation that I wasn't seeking, but you get this like affirmation or reaffirmation that you're doing something right. You're like, oh, okay, all right. So then I'm doing this right. Then fucking along comes TikTok and TikTok makes the bar for how great the quality on something has to be drop like substantially. <laughs> yeah. And I have this like this, the perfectionist in me just can't fucking have it. And so that's my new hurdle right now is getting over that as we're like finishing up singles we're preparing like do you do like a single release strategy or anything like that yeah so for um that's a good question for the longest time what i was doing was posting a song i wrote in some capacity whether it's me singing on the guitar or like the demo of it and if it got a lot of views if like people liked it then i would finish it and release it and that's because i didn't really have like fans or followers people didn't really know who i was it was kind of just like okay people want it so give it to them and then i was like I, it might be like a certain level of insecurity in the fact that if I post a song and it doesn't get the views that I want it to, I kind of throw it away because I think it isn't good. That's, that's not great, how it is, but it's just like it was it was like it was the business side of it. Like, should I put my time into something that isn't going to like give me something back? Yeah, the 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 folly in that <laughs> is you don't know why that particular track didn't pop off. Right. So yeah. with the variable or whatever it is about that thing that makes it not go as viral as, you know, Honda Mansion yeah. or the other song. I'm, just gonna think, yeah. I'm gonna say it like six more times. Yeah, people, he's like, please stop, fuck, please <laughs> no. stop. But like, if you don't put in uh, the effort beyond that because it doesn't do so well in that first try, it could have just been like the the that video, the day, something. the day, and the algorithm just, where people just, are in the world. I don't like it either because it feels disingenuous. If I make something that I really like. And right. then I'm totally basing my own opinion on it off of what other people are saying. That's like so insecure of me to do. I've, I So what I'm going to do for this next song, actually, I realized what I was doing wasn't really 
I mean, it's not that it's a smart thing to do. It's what not a very doing? yeah, like this the whole like demo announcing. Yeah, that's smart. It's, a good but way it's to not fuck. very fulfilling. No, because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna. I mean, they can't all be bangers, right? However, yeah. it is nice to be able to like a b in your market of people that already follow and fuck with what you're doing, right. and say, oh, here's this thing I'm trying. How do you feel about it? And or I mean, however you would frame that in a video, and if it doesn't pop off, you're like, ah, fuck it. But you could also just be like, you're you know, in your mind, you could just turn around and say, ah, uh, you know what. It's not getting a lot of hits, but uh, I'm going to keep kind of fucking poking at it a little bit. Yeah, we'll see what happens as, exactly. our, as our refiner keep building it. But I also think there's a strategy to that aspect of like, hey, we, like we're sitting on 20 demos, a bunch of demos with like lyrics and shit to them. And already like they're maybe 50% done, but enough that I could show and be like, how do you feel about it? But the insecurity side of me is like, oh, I can't put this thing out that's not done and doesn't really have my fucking stamp of approval on yeah, it. Exactly. And so it's hard because, you know, it's good because you could basically use your audience as a litmus test as to whether or not a new song you're about to do is going to do well or not. But at the same time, it's like that isn't maybe necessarily true to the artistry of you as you're mm. discovering. It's a journey. Like we never, you know, what we're well aware, we don't get to the destination where we're like, fucking A, I won music. I'm done. <laughs> I did it. And so in the, you know, in spirit of the fact that you have to constantly be on this grind and, one, you know, however much time you're dedicating to it, right. it's like you have to kind of be mindful of what your artist journey looks like and how you're respecting yourself in that process. No, absolutely. And it, it's kind of, I was thinking about it earlier cause you said, I forget exactly what you said, but it, the reality is with this release strategy that people are doing on TikTok, other people do exactly what I was doing, which is demo a song. If they like it, then they'll give a pre-save link and you can listen to it in four weeks. Right. And honestly, as a TikTok music consumer, like, I've, I know this because it's pissed me off before and I'm a music <laughs> artist that does the same thing. It's like, oh my God, this song bangs. Where can I go listen to it? And I find out that it's coming out in four weeks. That's like the worst thing that you could do to right, somebody. Right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, but you can go pre-save it and like give me something right now, but I can't, I'm not going to give you what you want until four weeks from now. Right. So I decided that for this next song, I'm actually just going to post it before I ever, I'm going to put it on all the platforms before I ever even post it. And that in that way, People that do like it can go listen to it right away. Right There's going to be some that do. See, my worry is that strategy is like almost like completely rallied against because people are like, oh, we haven't done anything to let people know yeah. what your thing is. I don't care <clears> though. But here's the thing. <laughs> they, uh, I just had a friend of mine I was talking to about this yesterday. He was saying that he is like a very mysterious person. And so by nature, his artwork and all of his music is inherently kind of baked into that. And he was like, my idea is be mysterious, but you can't just be mysterious. And people, <laughs> you can't be mysterious first. You can be mysterious after you've accrued an audience. Right. You can do something mysterious after when you've got an audience to, that can uphold the mystery, right? Mm. But without that, you're just like, ooh. And they're like, <laughs> what the fuck is this dude doing? Like, and so it's there's like this double-edged sword where you're like, okay, do, if I do this and I drop it and it's out and available, great. But I feel like I see a lot of people that do that and – and maybe it's flopping or I, I mean, you know, if you're on the music side of music side of TikTok and you're scrolling through, you'll see something you're like, oh, this song's pretty good. And it's only got like maybe a couple thousand. I'm saying this like it's a low number, but like a couple <laughs> thousand likes. Yeah. Well, that to me, you've if you've had videos that have like double digit or tens of thousands of likes or hundreds of thousands of likes, you're like, this is nothing. This is bullshit. Like, I'm not going to you can't treat that as like some form of like validation that you completed. Right. The, you know, you met the bar that you were setting. It yeah, it's based for. completely on engagement. It's like that's the, the biggest thing that I learned this this year. I already knew that it was on engagement. Obviously, it's on watch time and it's on like replay value and stuff right. like that. But what I realized this year is that the most important thing is just like the quantity of people 
consumers in a given niche, it's all niche based. So if you're right. on the music niche of TikTok, you're fucked. Like right. the, the amount of people that are out there trying to watch TikTok content for to like learn about new artists, find a new music artist is a lot. But compared to the like ratio, create a ratio of that yeah. to the amount of music artists trying to be exposed. Right. And it's like the reason why you need to make such high quality content as a musician is because there are so many musicians making content and the amount of people that are trying to watch that content that their for you page is like geared for that content is actually smaller. And the reason why I know that is because I have another account where I'm just bang popping out banger after banger after banger and it's not even music related at all. And that's why it's like, it's, it's really frustrating. What do you mean? What do you mean? You're so I have this other account where I make chess videos cause I play chess. I don't know if you even knew that. I did not know that, but I okay. fucking play chess dude. We should, we should totally play. We should play. We should have done it while we were doing we the podcast. If I had known this before yeah, and I would have absolutely went out and bought a chess set. No. Yeah. Well, so I have this other chess TikTok account. And the thing about it is that the quality of the content is not necessarily any better than what I'm doing musically. How the fuck? Okay. So case in point, you found a way to basically make chess marketable in the TikTok space. Yeah. So what I've been doing on my chess TikTok account is making chess TikToks. And because there are so few content creators in the chess community, in that niche. there are so many people that want to watch those videos though, low key. And I'll just make a video. What is the it, content? Like, what does it look like? Give me an example. It's just, of me, it's just me playing. I'll like solve like a puzzle or I'll like do like a highlight of me doing something. Like I'll just sit there and play chess and record it and then like have my video there and stuff. Like against it? It's like a screen recording of you playing chess online? Or? Yeah, it's a screen recording. It's got my computer screen and it's got my face. And it's like, the thing is the engagement, I've compared it to the stats on my music account. And the engagement the is music account is better well, engagement, but the views I'm getting 500,000 views. Like that's fucking wild. N like it's easy. So what is the rhyme or reason of that? Because I feel like I would think of it the other way around, right? Like chess is a slow game. And so by nature, somebody who's interested in watching a chess video yeah. is going to be interested in watching this thing that takes place at the speed of a fucking yeah, <laughs> snail. Like, it though. That's true. It's like, uh, it's a 15 second video of me doing some like cool checkmate pattern or like some like interesting chess thing. And you know, if you're interested in chess, I did, I have to do no work. Everybody loves music. You're not going to like every song that comes on your for you page, true. but for chess, it feels different because like every you single like time chess I, or you don't. Yeah. It's every single time it pops up on your for you page. If you're interested in that, you're going to watch it. So yeah. I already get the attention just by having the, like the setup. That's and fucking wild. It's, it's ridiculous. I can't believe I didn't know this. And then also fuck you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, definitely. But what I have been doing is putting, using my sound as the bingo. The and so I've started doing that too. Yeah. I found that like my, my music TikToks almost exclusively just do dog shit and views and, and links <laughs> and attention and everything. So I'm like, what the fuck? But if I do a political commentary video or I'm telling a story that's funny or doing anything that has gotten a bunch of engagement. Yeah. You can I all, use yeah, just tag my fucking song in the bottom. Yeah. However, I don't think TikTok pays a fucking dime in like anything. Oh, no. I'm like seeing next to nothing. Reels has started to push more on Instagram, which I've noticed. Oh, yeah. And so I actually see monetary value coming out of the reels that I can post, and especially for the podcast, because you know, I can post a 30-second video and have it be a reel of an engaging conversation. Usually it has to do with like artistry or entrepreneurial leadership or something like yeah. that. And so by just by nature of the content, there is like kind of like that other niche of entrepreneurs. That's like a, a fucking disease on, the, on social media. But like if, yeah. if you're interested in engaging and learning things, it's also good to hear what has worked for other people. Right. And so that's kind of like where I kind of fall into this category where it's like, well, what are his accolades? Like, well, I've got some certainly, but do I have enough to be, I wouldn't want to be a fucking life coach. Um, and I'm in my thirties. So like I still, 
even knowing I have life experience, would not want to go the life coach route. But there are kids that are in their 23s like, oh, you can get your life together like me. It's like, bitch, you haven't been Just slapped in the face course. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic <laughs> buy my course. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong. Maybe I just need to make the fucking course. In and the like, course, they just say one thing, buy my course. Yeah, 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 you're like, you just need to make a course and sell it to people. <laughs> just conning people left and right. But so I would think that it would be like less engagement on the, the chess side, but maybe a long time in viewership. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like if you're, if you got this little snippet and you can do that, my problem is now, so you've got YouTube shorts. Are you fucking with that at all? Uh, I do for music sometimes, but you definitely should, man. Cause yeah. the engagement there is through the roof and there are clever ways to kind of get click through rate from your shorts to your channel. Mm -hmm. And right now, like the algorithms, I think they finally kind of contributed them together, but mm -hmm when they first started doing YouTube shorts to compete with TikTok, they were separate. So like you oh, could yeah. pop the fuck off on YouTube shorts and it wouldn't do anything for your fucking channel. Really? <laughs> and I was told recently that the watch time on your YouTube shorts doesn't contribute to your channel watch time, but I'm looking at the statistics and it looks like it might actually yeah, do well, that. Traffic is going over there. They're, if they're interested in your YouTube shorts, they might be interested in your long. Right. So what I've started doing, and I, I think this is a pretty clever practice. It's not uh, one that I invented. It's one that I picked up and I've kind of tweaked accordingly. But if I have a short form TikTok that goes and it gets like 1600 views in like a, like an hour or two yeah. and it's a, you know, a performance video or something like that, I will in the comment section make a comment, hey, make sure you keep rocking out, check the whole, check out the whole video here. Oh, and then yeah. I pin that comment to the top. And then those ones, for some reason, just because I, I don't think it's because <laughs> I'm commenting, but it could be, that little bit of extra engagement from you on your content with a click to the link to the YouTube page can take them from shorts to that. And in right. the app, you're in the same app. So you're not really going anywhere different. You're just watching a video that's not in shorts format. Mm -hmm. But I could see you doing really, really well. Like there is monetization that takes place on the TikTok space or on um, the YouTube space for sure. TikTok, mm -hmm. it seems like, it's like they've created this fucking labyrinth on being able to, like yeah. I can get millions of views, million, you know, thousands of likes, and I can't find a way to get that to pay me. Right. And so, But it's like where I tend to pound for pound do like the best statistically whenever I'm looking at the rest of the parts of the stats that, you know, you're, you want to be doing well. Yeah, for sure. I guess I feel like a lot of creators probably bank the people that are outside the music space because your way of getting paid as a musician on TikTok is by getting people to stream your songs. So right. you actually are dependent completely on that. You like my 13 seconds of song, go watch my longer content, which is three or four minutes on Spotify. Right, right, right. So I guess they're kind of dependent on that completely. But and they um, don't want that. TikTok doesn't want you fucking leaving yeah, the app. Yeah, they don't want you YouTube leaving the app. Or doing you, anything. So it's like <laughs> they've set up the system. Well, they were, there was talks about TikTok doing a, a not a label, but um, a music platform. Okay. Like doing it specifically. Like a Spotify, Apple Music But thing? for TikTok, oh, like God. the TikTok version of it, which I wouldn't be against <laughs> if I could finally get fucking paid for like yeah. putting things out that do decent. Uh but there, so earlier today, I saw the stat that 38 million songs received zero plays last year on streaming platforms. Really? So you think about that 60,000 that they, at one point they reported it was like 60,000 songs a day. That's like at peak. That's not the, yeah. that's not the, the average. Really? And so the average is actually closer to like maybe 20 or 30,000 a day, which is a lot times 365. You can see how it gets up in the millions pretty quickly. But to think about it from the perspective of like, that's really the saturation and the, the over consumption mm -hmm. that we're that a lot of people kind of rest on their laurels when they bitch about why their band's not doing well. Or this, oh, well, it's just music's just so saturated. It's just so hard to get the attention. It's like, no, good music, good, good shit still gets attention. It does. You just have to yeah. find out what works for you. And a lot mm -hmm. of people don't want to spend the time in that uncomfortable space being like, what could I alter about what I'm doing that would make right. me have to do something different, which is like the change that it's, you know, it's begging you to make. And most people don't want to make the change. So it's like, if there's 38 million streams 
er, er, songs going out that don't get any streams. I get that. I know a lot of mu- musicians locally that like they'll put a song out and they're like, ah, and they play out in the area. But playing out in the area and then trying to convert them to – you know, your platform to listen, like you think that would be a lot easier, but you almost have to make like a stage theatric fucking, right. you know, event to do, you know, like Jason, uh, whenever he plays the first on Sundays, he was doing like the, the little Venmo me thing on there. Oh yeah. And like, I almost think it's worth it to say, yeah, you should have a fucking QR code up there that takes them to your Spotify. Oh yeah. And if they show you that you follow, you'll, I'll play your request. Oh, right. Yeah. So now you've got this. Now it's a a free exchange. All I got to do is go there and follow it. And they can be a dickhead and unfollow later. Mm -hmm. Fuck those people. But like (laughs) if they, if the simple transaction of opening up my app, wherever I listen to it, clicking follow and like, you know, hit play and put that fucking thing in your pocket and like let it stream for a couple minutes or whatever. Like those are ways that tangibly actually help the artists that you're there to see. And you get that follow. Now they're going to get that update whenever you post that new song. Yeah, so it's like in their, you know, sure. their release radars are going to, you know, you start popping up that way and you guys play out enough that I think it'd be worth doing just on the grounds that for as many people as you actually play to in a, in a given year, that's a lot of convert. Not, it's not, a, it's not overall massive conversion, but I bet it'd be a lot more than, you know, not doing anything at all and not being able to convert anybody that you have in the moment. Cause you talk to people after the shows, you talk to yeah. people during shows. Yeah. Like you guys are like one of the funnest bands to be around. I, I don't <laughs> understand why it like it's not bigger like you guys like it's not like you guys aren't you're not hurting obviously you're doing well everybody gets Mm -hmm. paid right but like there's sincere talent there and like good vital youthful fucking energy which is what you need at a show in a bar or in a show in general like there's nothing worse i saw nickelback a few years ago and i'm like a diehard nickelback fan like i actually fuck with them hard explains a lot (laughs) fuck off the guitars (laughs) and the drums sound amazing on all the records like the production quality that's what i like maybe not like necessarily as big on the songwriting side of it and like they were like medium mid-level energy on stage but they're all in there like late forties, fifties or whatever. So it's like, okay, I guess I can accept that. But I also, I'm, I come from a scene of like the Warped Tour music scene. Singers and band members right. are backflipping and fucking going nuts. Like <laughs> I remember seeing story of the year and seeing, I think it was, his name was Phil Sneed. He was a guitar player for him. He used to do like this hurricane kick with his guitar. And I remember being like, that is fucking sick. And you, you see it one time and you're like, oh, now I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. And like, for whatever reason, a lot of the bands in this area, it's like, it's just the music and then playing, yeah. and then there's nothing after that. It's like, I can see him at the bar, and then, uh, oh, fuck, that band's playing. I know who that band is, but there's no following. There's no, like, close following to right. it. And that's a barrier for entry in being able to get these people to convert, because My Year Zero does originals, and you do originals. So you play mm-hmm. some of your originals live, too. Yeah, we play one or two at the shows and like songs. So, so I have some experience doing my own music regardless. Right. Yeah. But it's weird because when you came into the fold, you were already kind of crushing on TikTok. <laughs> and so, and and it made my point because before you popped up and before they did the video that got them uh, fired from champs, <laughs> that, which was still a genius video. Yeah, I don't, no. like, I don't understand how they don't understand. It was a great video. It was a great idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's amazing that it backfired like that, but whatever. Or did it. But the idea that, you know, there are, you come, you come from where? The Chester County area? Yeah, Chester County. So that's in this state, and you come to school here. How many Eric Damianos are there in our vicinity that we don't know about because we're not maybe being fed them through the algorithm or whatever? But that are musicians and do shit and are fucking crushing it. And like, that's my point. You don't have to, like, we don't have any of the infrastructure in here to really kind of support those people when they come here. But you could do a fucking TikTok showcase night, and every TikTok musician in the area, if you could find a way to get that word out to them. 
you could have probably see you just pull them out of the fucking woodwork just wherever they come from and yeah that would be super helpful too because i mean think about it i the way before i was with the band i had very little on stage experience so i'm like blessed for the opportunity blessed by the opportunity to be able to do this every weekend especially because say like one day i i reach a point where i need to be doing a lot of eric damiano shows right now i don't need to but if like if the demand comes you know i'll be ready to do that right i just you, th- you think about somebody that has a hit song overnight on like a social media app. Right. Um, then they get like, even if, even if they keep like popping off over and over again, having these like hit after hit online. That's kind of like what Russ did. Yeah. You, you, like it's, it, they will have to build up their onstage presence, like starting then. Right. And, you know, say you're like the most popping singer ever on TikTok and you've never been on a stage before. It's going to be really difficult for you to, you know, open up for a huge artist because that's what you're probably going to be doing. And you are experienced. And I'm like, <laughs> what brand uh, in-ears do you guys use? You're like, uh, I could not fucking I tell you. Sennheiser. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Yes. That's my point. You're further along, I would say, in that journey, right? Than the than the, the person who's going to pop off on TikTok that has no live experience. And now it's I like, mean, yeah. cool. Uh, like when you are, if you, if you want to produce like a special or like you want to do um, – a show. You're like, oh, I want to, I want to make a show. You're like, well, fuck, how do I hire a light guy? It's like, no, yeah. you don't fucking do that. Yeah. <laughs> you find a producer who knows how to do that. Yeah, and then yeah, they're yeah. going to fucking take care of that. Sure. That's the team building you do. And, and so it's the same thing when it comes to this, it's like you're, if you pop off every night, you're like, fuck, like, okay, I'm going to go play a show. Well, I am willing to wager like 99 out of a hundred times that people go into a venue that they've never been in before. And they put a mic on and, you know, they pick it up. It's dry as fuck. There's no, like, yeah. reverb delay. There's no vocal effects chain. There's nothing that kind of, like, smooths it out or compresses it and puts it in a realm where it's going to match level-wise with the music in a tasteful way. And that's my fucking problem with live music in this area. Because I've I've mixed uh, Low Jacket for a while, for, oh, yeah. like, at the beginning cool, of – it, right at the beginning of 2020. So right before the pandemic, that was, like, my uh, – every Friday night they played it the first. So I would go down yeah. and I would mix. And I get super high to do it because I like listening to music high. So I was like, I'm yeah. going to go down and like listen to this and, uh, you know, just sit here and fuck with the faders and adjust the, you know, how much, how much this send is getting for chorus, how much this is getting delay. All right, let's drop that chorus down. Let's up this delay a little bit. And I had people like come up to me and be like, this is the best that I've ever heard Lojack sound anywhere, like in the area. Yeah. Like, what are you, what, like, are you doing that from the iPad? I'm like, Yeah. And it's like when you have a little bit of these core skill sets that go into the mixing side of things, live mixing is totally different than in the box mixing. But when you are, if you can kind of find that fine line for live sound, it's like, this is how they should sound because they fucking sound good. If somebody comes up to me and tells me, that's a testament to the fact that they sound good, Mm -hmm. that when they sound really good and and sound produced and it's a thick, lush mix, you're going to enjoy the music way differently. And that, for some reason, we just rest on the laurels of... Uh, you know, just going in, showing up, playing dry as fuck vocal mic. Or, yeah. If it's not dry, it's like wet, just a little bit of like reverb or whatever, And which is like usually not what you want, actually. Everybody assumes that they want reverb to smooth shit out. It's like, no, you kind of want like a slapback delay with like a tinge of fucking, you know, reverb, maybe, maybe a, a little touch of chorus to like let that linger a little bit. But if you can create space in the vocal chain that fits with the music you're playing, it's going to change people's perception of how they're enjoying your music. And you guys do that because you have, I mean, but look at the gear that you have to put into doing something like that. So now imagine you're the fucking TikToker who has an overnight success song. It's like, cool. Um, Well, I haven't gotten paid yet. And it turns out I need about (laughs) $10,000 worth of gear to get myself into a signal chain that's going to fucking sound good when I play live, let alone the the mechanics of going out and doing a live show. Like, okay, don't fucking forget your words. 
<laughs> like, oh shit, I got to remember my yeah. words. Like you forget that like there's all these little miniature steps mm -hmm. that become automated the more you do them and practice them whenever you're doing a lot of stage time. It's funny because it's, it's almost like my hero zero is an incubator for Eric Damiano. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, and this Petri dish is full now. And now he is off into the wild. <laughs> but that's like, it's cool that you did that. I remember when Jason was like, yeah, he's going to join us for the summer. I was like, he's in the band now. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Kind of. It, but it's it's not a bad thing because that's if you're going to be doing music, look at Jason. Like he makes good money doing the the My Hero Zero side of things, and he does the solo stuff. Yeah. So it's not like we have this famine mentality when it comes to it's a bandwidth issue. Actually, people have very little time to do all the things that they want to do. That's why I usually have to give up. At one point, I was like, oh yeah, uh, I'm an MMA fighter. I'm a motorcycle rider. I want to go to these track days and rip around on the motorcycle. And oh, also I'm in this band. And also we're doing warp tour. And also and I was eventually I was like, okay, I don't have enough time to do any of these things and enjoy them the way I want to. So which of these things can I kind of dial back and get more out of the things that I'm doing that I love the most? Right. And so music is the one that is fucking trumped and stayed against all. And then video and everything else came like way later. But I really don't envy the TikToker who fucking blows up overnight and has to figure yeah. out how I'm going to make this work live. I was I was actually thinking about that. I've been I thought about that a lot. It's like the stage experience. I mean, if something happens for me like that, say I somehow blow up overnight, I feel like I'm going to be ready. I mean, you never really are ready, but I feel like I would I would be able to. You know, I can I could go on stage and do a full Eric Damiano show totally fine. It would be. I, yeah. would be, I would be able to at least connect with somebody there. Yeah, and the know? bells and whistles that come with like live event production yeah. and lighting and all that stuff, like that's that's budgetary stuff that comes in. If you blow up, labels are going to reach out to you because yeah. they're not in the place where they want to do development deals anymore. And that's the thing we saw the death of with record yeah. labels is there's no more development deal money being put into artists because you couldn't guarantee that this singer's not a dickhead and he's not going to fuck the whole thing right. up later yeah, exactly. or you know, whatever. So it's like, okay, we're not developing. So now they're just fundamentally they show up and it's not like – they're just alone because it's, if you're a good label, you come with infrastructure that is there to support all of your artists. But I've seen record labels firsthand that I'm like, oh, that's a demo bin. Like, when, how, 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 how long does it take you to get through all those demos? And they're like, <laughs> we're not listening to demos. Like, what the fuck are you doing? They, and specifically on the website for that label said to send a hard demo, they don't do link demos. So I'm like, oh, cool. I for sure at some point was a band demo sitting in that fucking box and then they're just like laughing and shrugging off so they only want something to do with you when you're already doing it well right. enough on your own yeah and at that point the only reason to sign to a label is whether or not they can elevate what you're doing and it's going to bring you in more money than you're making now you don't i don't mind somebody else making money if they're contributing to the effort it takes to fucking do that right but i'm not going to sign away my masters to somebody who's like gonna take my record and then maybe possibly fucking shelve it because it's competition for this other band that's on their label that we sound kind of like and their album came out last week so oh it's so weird <laughs> we just missed getting your album into best buy this yeah. year this week uh but it'll be in next week don't worry it's like cool now my first week sales have tanked like all those things that can happen to you as an artist you don't think about how you can get fucked from the label side and i, I know tons of bands that, did, that it happened to mm -hmm. and so it's like Insofar as you can kind of create everything you're doing by yourself right now, you can be self-sufficient. If sure. you can get the streaming money, I can hire fucking anybody, right? Like, yeah, it's almost like it's almost like if you get to the point where labels are are reaching out to you, you don't need one. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm like, so then what the fuck are they still around for? It's like, well, some of them have good infrastructure, mm -hmm. but everything is constantly changing. So to me, it comes down to whether or not that label has young blood up in the fucking label. Because like you need to have people that have a real – not just an ear to the ground on what's good musically, but what the best practices are. 
Because there are labels that are probably still pushing people to like, okay, you got to do this, this, and this. And like, there are things that are not a part of the ecosystem of what is done that much in music anymore for people that are doing it on their own and popping off. Yeah. So it's weird that there is like sort of a, but so to your credit, man, like you were doing this in a way where you were kind of like just testing it out and then you mm -hmm. release a song or maybe you scrap a song because it didn't get a good reaction or whatever. Well, maybe it wasn't produced well enough at that point for people to get that reaction or whatever. So mm -hmm. maybe you give up on a song too early and you miss out on this opportunity for this. Do you think about going back and revisiting any of those and, and giving them another try? Um, I mean, I feel like once yeah, I'm past the song, sure. I, I kind of move on. I'm like, I don't know. It's like, yes and no, because I've definitely, I feel like the last, the last few songs were actually just revisited songs that I hadn't really thought about in a while. And I actually have a few songs that my friends and people really close to me will be like, that's the one, that's the one that you need to release next. And I'm like, no, because of this <laughs> other thing that is totally all in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking up with all of my emotions right now. But, and so yeah, I'm like, no, I'm glued to it. You're never going to get that song because I'm like, Super insecure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For Martina's sure. like laughing because she knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, I really want this one song to drop," and I'm like, "No." I fight for it so much. <laughs> no yeah, that's my foot. I'm like, "Am I fucking playing footsie with you under here?" <laughs> yes. And I'm not against it, so it's weird. <laughs> I don't know what I'm into now, but I'm thinking it through. Yeah, uh, I, we were actually just talking about how like throwing an artist into the water, like all of a sudden they're on like a big stage or they have to do something. I kind of did go through that, even though like um. Because I, I was thinking about it the other day, how it's crazy that I had only been on stage like 10 to 20 times maybe in my life. And then I was Prior like, secrets. <laughs> I was like yeah. how many people do you think playing at Secrets had it be like their 20th show? And that's only because My Hero Zero like reached down into the depths of like live performance and ripped me to the very top of like the cover band industry. <laughs> it came from, yeah, but it came, it that came from you one, not resting on your laurels of the things that you had done that were well, but being yeah. so you had a great voice, you know how to rehearse, like you can show up and be present when you're doing something. You are able to be consistent with what you do. And that's what they need. You know, it's like mm -hmm. if we're gonna do it with any if we're if we're gonna bring anybody in that's gonna do this, it's gotta be somebody that's one a good fit. You know, like it's a socio economic like dynamic you have to fucking it's a right. weird line you toe in a band where you yeah. have to like everybody's gotta not just get along but also like enjoy being around each other. Yeah. You don't have to enjoy being around each other, but you're not going to enjoy doing music for a while then. And I would really rather not be in a position where I did it. I did it for years and I like, I had zero interest in going back to that. Yeah. So now it's about dynamic. So you were a good fit for their dynamic. And if all you were lacking was the stage presence, it was like, okay, but it, you learn that that's a fucking, you can, that trial by fire pound for pound is more developmental and beneficial to you than any amount of time you would spend in a fucking dance studio with a microphone just kind of like right looking at myself oh, yeah, and just no, kind of like sure. doing dances and stuff like it's not it doesn't translate and so i got the same thing like i, I joined a band that was already kind of touring and traveling and uh we did a couple the first show we did uh the first show we did was like a tester show to see if i was actually going to be in the band and oh, yeah. uh i literally like sat on the stage and just talked into the microphone after the show for like a half an hour i don't know what the fuck i was doing but uh, the, the first like real show that we played after I joined was like a thousand people at the Crocodile Rock Cafe in Allentown and Crocodile Rock, is it the cafe? I feel like it's a cafe. It's a club. And, uh, <laughs> and we were opening for a band that I was like a big fan of. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I didn't know that I wasn't going to enjoy being the, uh, opener of a national touring package uh, yeah. because it's like, it's short. And when you're done, they're like, get your shit off stage. You got like <laughs> 10 minute set changeovers. I was like, whoa, whoa, what? This is not how I envisioned any of this dream going. Like, aren't they supposed to like throw roses and shit now? Like, how does this work? And we crushed our set and it was great. But 
I I took home a lot from that. I had uh, friends take some self cell phone video to see like what I was doing on stage. Do you watch yourself on stage at all to do like the review to see what you're doing on stage to be like that? I gotta quit fucking doing that. The first time I did it was like the ugliest and worst experience in my life. <laughs> but I realized there was a bunch For of alone or with my hero zero. Oh, it was with my hero zero. Okay. I've also I've also watched me do it alone plenty of times. Um because when I first started, like my, my, I was talking about my chorus teacher in high school. He'd be like, you move around so much. You like move way too much on, on stage. And I watched the video and he's like, holy fuck, dude, this guy is, I'm up there like fucking like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm like <laughs> pacing back and forth like this at a mic stand. I was oh, weird. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, yeah, yeah. and then I watched like a show at, uh, that is last awesome summer. Swag, dude. Yeah. It really sucks. <laughs> it does, you watch it. You're like, fuck it. I fucking just go back and punch my yeah so i watched a show from last summer and i was like i'm not doing anything i thought that i was moving so much on stage and i was so into it but i just it wasn't like every movement you do has to actually be way more exaggerated than you think it does yeah is one thing that a lot of beginner performers learn like um in all aspects of performance but then I, i was watching like with the full band and i was like i was like singing what i thought was getting really hype and i was literally standing there going like this (laughs) <laughs> you're like get, get that fucking hand up higher right? yeah. what are you doing yeah yeah i feel like for me uh, the the one vice that i noticed that i did when I, when i first started uh playing was uh we would always everybody's got water bottles on their like cases and stuff in the right. back and then i would have some by the drums and so whenever like there's a, a musical interlude section part of a song or whatever and i'm not singing instead of like engaging with the crowd and kind of like being a little bit you know, weird or just finding some way to sort of keep their attention on what's going on in front of them. I would like turn around and go take a drink of water for like this, like four bar section or like, okay, I'll just pretend I'm really thirsty. You sound like me, but it's vodka Red Bull. Well, yeah, I mean, water was back there also. I don't know if I was picking up the water, (laughs) but like, that's another thing that I notice a lot with, uh, that's, so I toured with a bunch of bands and, and you learn a lot from bands that travel a lot and see a lot of local bands. And so, uh, we would, <laughs> there would be, uh, shows we would go to and be like, Oh, this dude is local as fuck. Like, look at this guy, right? <laughs> look at everything he's doing is local Downy. as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's basically like the, the, it was that, or, um, if somebody on the crew came up to you and like one of the, they were just like absolutely punishing you with questions. If you were on tour with a bigger band and there was some, one of the opening bands had somebody who's a fan of that bigger band, they would just come up and punish you with like questions right. about things. And so they were called punishers or if they were coming around and it was going to be like an issue and you had to alert everybody around you that somebody was coming around, we'd be like, crew, crew, we got crew here. <laughs> and then like you would start, you'd be like, okay, everybody be mindful. Like if you don't want to deal with this, you need to fucking duck out this corner and escape as fast as possible. But uh, the idea that, a lot of lo- like local musicians, local bands, local s- singers or whatever that retreating to the drum set to grab a water or turning your, like turning your back to the crowd. I like, I don't know why I ever thought it was a good idea. I, thankfully I only did it for like a month and we didn't play many shows that month. So yeah. it wasn't a big deal. It was like, uh, I had a, co- somebody made a comment and I was like, oh, oh, I'm doing that. And then I was like, I caught myself like at the next show doing it. And I was like, oh fuck, I am doing it. And so mm-hmm. I immediately like suck the water down and turn back around and just yeah. do something different. And so I've turned that now into when there's music breaks, it's like, here's an opportunity for me to do something that is like, uh, either impressive or wows people or, or is at least noteworthy. And so I've done everything from like climbing scaffoldings of stages, like truck stages and hanging upside down and singing yeah, and all yeah. kinds of wild shit, just cause like people take their phones out and take pictures then. And that's like your digital footprint for mm-hmm. what you're trying to do or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you have kind of, hit the plateau of like, okay, now I'm really comfortable on stage. 
Um, comfortability. Yeah, I'm definitely a lot more comfortable than I was. I was, I was like getting nervous and shit last <laughs> year. I, I'm not, um, I'm definitely way more comfortable. I feel like it's like a never ending process because even the most experienced performers like Jason and Mike are still telling me, I just thought about maybe doing this. So they, they, they still treat it like they're still learning. And that's yeah, how that's I'm the like, best way to be. I must be fucked. Cause <laughs> if you never can feel like you are a true master, which both of them are. And, um, I mean, I'm like a major work in progress, I think, but, uh, but that's them acknowledging that they are too. Yeah. Yeah. No. And so ultimately like what's great about that is that Mike and Jason both had the perspective to be able to say, instead of just being like, oh, that thing you're doing sucks. Like, don't do that. Yeah, for sure. There's like this, uh, you should try maybe doing this. Like there's this suggestion mm-hmm. that accompanies it. And that's my biggest gripe with a lot of uh, just like smaller band mentalities in general is when people are like, oh, I just don't like this. It's like, okay, well then what is your fucking solution yeah. for how we can fix this? Oh, like, yeah, don't no. give me a problem and then not offer a solution. If you don't right. have an, a solution, shut the fuck up because I think I'm just doing the best I can. Yeah. And so if there is a solution, you pitch it to me, now I've got something to consider. Right. Mike will like bring us over during a set break or usually during a set break and be like, I have notes for both of you. And I'm like, both of us, okay. <laughs> Jason too. I was like, yeah. Cause he's the, he's watching the singers. Like he's playing the guitar, but right, he's, not, he's sure. not like one of the singers. Yeah. He's so. so good that it's not like he's disinvested here with everything he's yeah, doing yeah. to the point where he can't he pay can, attention to anything else. So he's he's like, paying attention to what we're doing and he's, he'll like give us both notes. So, I mean, and they like, they you do need that. Other. That's yeah, if yeah. you don't, cause otherwise if he, and he's coming from the performer side, yeah. you don't want somebody in the fan telling you, if it's like, you know, yeah. somebody who's there with you telling you what to do It's like, bitch, you ain't <laughs> up here. You don't fucking know. You don't <laughs> yeah, know that that monitor is hot as fuck. Get... And if I get near it, it's going to own a feedback. Yeah. So like, I'm doing the best I can. Trust me. But when yeah. somebody is on stage and they kind of know what fucking gripes you're going through to have them be able to point you and <laughs> steer you into a direction, it's going to fix shit. It's like, thank you. Yeah. I mean, then my ego would just get in the way. I'd be like. I would either think like, oh, I must be awful or like this motherfucker doesn't. Right. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so cute that you think you can fucking tell me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted that you, one of the things you said about, uh, one of the questions I asked you about earlier, you sent me what it means to be an artist, how to start and how you got started. So I kind of know how you got started right. and we kind of discussed how to start the, what it means to be an artist thing. That's that thing that I think we just touched on now is like, yeah. you just have to accept you're never going to be done. Yeah. If you're an artist, you're never going to be done. You're always going to be a learning, evolving human being that is just implementing new processes and procedures to get you the result that you want that leads you closer to whatever it is that you de- you define success as. Yeah. And so I think when people look at it like, oh, I'm good at what I do. I'm good here. Like, have you ever met like a musician who's just like, oh, my fucking songs are all this, like they're the fucking best. And and it's How like regardless of what, ever be like that. I don't know. I'm like I, I lack the component in my brain to be able to be that. I can't <laughs> yeah. just be. I'm like, How the fuck are you that confident? Like that's yeah. blind confidence, clearly. Right. Uh, and then there's the Dunning Kruger effect, is when somebody thinks oh. they're absolutely fucking killing it, and they're in hindsight like they don't realize how fucking terrible they are, yeah. but because they've got the, you know, the goggles on that they're crushing it. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I'm killing it. Yeah. And I, I see moderate success. And I think I get a, a decent number of bands in the area that come up and are like, uh, they ask me questions about video stuff and how we go about doing this thing that we do. And I just think like, I enjoy that. I'm like, Oh, that's cool that they even noticed that I did that. It's like, that's a thing that I thought only I was paying attention to. And so if somebody else heard it and thought that was a good idea or wanted to implement it or whatever, I'm, I'm not of the mindset where like you got to gatekeep your secrets. I'm like, it's not a competition. It's not a marathon. It's not a fucking sprint. Like this is all just us doing the same thing. And you have to determine what your success looks like to you. And and you need to determine what your vision for your art looks like. And so for you, I see 
with you, as active as you are on TikTok and songwriting, like, what do you think is the vision for you moving forward? Like, what is it you think that takes the Eric Damiano songwriting and, you know, production and release schedule and turns it into this like vision of a, you know, maybe not necessarily an album because we're in a singles market. So why fucking right. bother? But like to be able to see what it is you want to do and what, what kind of like elements you want to mix in and stuff. Do you think much about like the visual element or like, I mean, TikTok, you don't really have to, like you said, you can got it. You're like, no, I just fucking do whatever. But do you think about like what the mastered vision for what your art would look like visually um, whenever you think about your, you know, your songwriting and when you're releasing shit? That's a good question. I think for the longest time, I was, I was struggling because I, I had this idea in my head of like what a successful artist looks like. I'm like, oh, they're touring. They got all these streams. They got like fans. They get recognized in public. And um, recently, I, you know, like things change as time goes on. And recently, I realized that that's just totally untrue. I mean, I was like, oh, I want to live this dream that's so out there. It's so weird, and like I'm stupid for even trying it. But at the same time. I've come to realize in the last year that I kind of already like am there almost. I mean, yeah. obviously there's a lot of work to be done. But there's tears. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the like, as soon I got a job, and then I was like, okay, then the dream is to like not have to do this. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but, but the dream ain't this. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. But like, think about it. I'm doing shows every single weekend, like two right. or three, and um, I'm putting out songs, and people are listening to them. Right. Like, what else? can I really like ask for? I don't know. I more money. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That's it. Right, and and it more money is not, it's not like it's more money that I'm going to use for anything other than exactly. dumping it right the fuck back into this. Cause I want to elevate everything I'm doing constantly. Yeah. Like, no, I guess it's just money. Yeah. Like at this point I already am doing the thing that I want to be doing. Right. You know? That's how I feel. I'm not doing <laughs> enough of certain things. Like we're not playing as many shows as I would like to, Yeah. but I also don't want to play a bunch of shitty shows. Like, right. I, I get you're going to have some shitty shows. I don't want to be attached to only doing shitty shows or doing shitty shows a lot because that fucking kills the mm -hmm. vibe. Like showing up and to like I, there were a long time ago we used to do shows where we would like travel like hours. We'd be on tour and you end up in some city that you've never been and you play to like five people and you pack up and you get like whatever the door deal was and then you're back in the fucking van and trailer like, well, that was a yeah. stop for practice. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. And like it's not fun. But what's equally not as fun is playing to a shit ton of people who don't know you and are – like a dead crowd, like a crowd yeah. that just doesn't move or do anything. Yeah. You're like, well, this is fucking shot. <laughs> to add to that, I think I have like imposter syndrome. Is that is that what it's called? Everybody has. Yeah, every like, every artist, like every, every so every artist has it. I think I'm pretty sure every artist has it. But also, I think even just the bare metric of having like they're suffering from imposter syndrome yeah. puts you into a category of a lot of very successful people. Cause there are a lot of successful people, yeah. but that's the thing that re hones and targets them back into a path that gets them where they want to go. Cause if you're never satisfied or you never think your shit's good enough, you're always kind of internally elevating it in a way that other people that are just resting on their laurels and being like, yeah, I totally, we're good. We're good. Like, this is our sound. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to evolve. It's like, yeah, what? <laughs> I don't know if I, the, the way I see it is for the longest time, I didn't really know what the picture of success looked like to me. But all I know is that if I told 18, 19 year old me, like, dude, you're doing shows every single weekend. You like have gotten, you, you've gotten this many people like commenting on your thing. You, you got followers, you have streams and stuff, even though it's not more than necessarily somebody like down the street. I, right. you have this many, like, dude, you opened up for your favorite artist a couple months ago. Like one of your favorite artists ever. I would like be shitting my pants, yeah. you know? And I, I, so I sometimes like don't really think about 
exactly the things that I've achieved. And because I'm yeah. so focused on the next thing, but like, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone in that. I feel yeah. like that's the thing that I, no, for I sure. feel like it's the thing that only I do. But when I hear other people <laughs> say they do it too, I'm like, oh, fucking thank God. Like I'm not alone because <laughs> it's grueling, man. Cause it can kind of be defeating a little bit if you feel like that's what your metric for success is and you're not meeting your own ridiculously made up like illusion of what you think it's supposed to be. Yeah. But what you said is really important. I think looking back at, you know, 18 year old Eric, like if I went back to 18 or 17 year old Johnny ripping around in his 92 <laughs> piece of shit Cavalier with these mixtapes. And I like, I've sung for some of the bands that I used to listen to. Yeah. And so like, that was fucking huge for me. Like it was a band I used to listen to. I'd listened to him for like 11 or 12 years at the point where I got to sing for them on stage at Warped Tour. And I was like, this is, I can't, I would never be, I wouldn't believe myself. Like, <laughs> like I fucking hope we get time travel while I'm alive. Cause I want to go back and be like, bro, stay the course. Like yeah. you're gonna, you're like, you're gonna sweat a lot of shit and that's normal. And a lot of people are doing it too. So don't, don't take it to heart too, per you don't take it too personally. Like you're going to be right where you want to be. If you just mm -hmm. stay in the fucking course. I always, I'm afraid that like if I stop tomorrow, cause I was just like, man, none of this stuff is exactly what I want. As if I ever know what the fuck that is in the first place that I'd be like the next day would have been the day that I fucking, yeah. some windfall would have come through that would have changed everything. No. Yeah, for sure. Like you, you're always like, you're always digging and the treasure chest is just like right there. But if you stop <laughs> digging, you're never going to know how close it was for sure. <laughs> I want that God's eye view where you can see like the hole as it's being dug. You're like, Oh, Oh, yeah. you're fucking so close. Three more inches. Right. <laughs> It'd be nice to have that fucking ability to tell the, the depth side of thing. Yeah. Uh, so you, your TikTok social media, the algorithm and your experience with it. Um, do you plan out a lot of the videos or do you feel like you just kind of take inspiration for in the moment? And they're like, I'm just going to do a video today or, or you treat it like a practice. Cause that's another good Avenue to go about doing it for some people is just saying like, I have to regiment this. So I actually sit down and do this when I know I need to do it and mm -hmm. get ready to release some stuff. So I better start slow rolling on my TikTok with a bunch of other videos to start to get my engagement up so that I'm not like dead. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely like you, like I've definitely <laughs> fallen off in the view count and then just like half my hearted a little bit and just posted that song a few times. And then it comes back up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get that dopamine hit of some of those likes. Yeah, and just for get sure. That in no, there. it literally is that though. I mean, I, again, I don't really like the approach. I, I understand the approach that I've taken for the past year or two because I did it. That's why, and there's a reason for that, but I don't really like it in terms of, um, I don't know, just being like genuine and, and as like an artist, because I felt like there was a, there was a, a solid year where I was doing the things that I thought that I needed to do in order to like go viral. Right. And, but this with like, I think I'm with actually, any success or, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, so you did it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to go viral. And then, oh, I went viral. And then you're like, not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. No, but I want to like, what I'm going to start doing is posting more engaging content, less of me just kind of singing the song and being like, here's the song. You guys like it. But I really want to try and build a story around the song itself. You right. Know? And that's like what a music video does, you know, right. It encapsulates it in a visual way. And I feel like the, the things that I were doing, I was doing was just like posting me singing with the guitar. This is the song. Do you guys like it? Oh, good. You like it. All right. Go yeah. stream it. Instead of like, they swipe and all of a sudden there's like something happening, you know? Yeah. And I want to go in the go thick more, of it. Yeah. I want to be in the thick of it. I want to go more in that direction. And I think that's what people should be doing. And I, I just know that like what I was talking about earlier with the niche specific things, it used to not be like that. You used to be able to post what you wanted and you would get, be able to get results a lot easier. Yeah. The algorithm has definitely and, changed. Yeah. If I knew what I knew now back then, I would have 
like capitalized way harder, I think. Yeah, isn't that the fucking benefit of this? <laughs> like, oh, I should have just leaned in hard on this. I was fucking killing it. Yeah, exactly. Are you uh, are you familiar with uh, Hoodie Allen? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, so eighteen, cool. Yeah, that, so yeah, yeah, so that's like Hoodie's. Hoodie's a he's a good friend. He's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, he started TikTok about a year and some change ago. Yeah. And I remember seeing his first few videos pop up. I was like, oh, fuck, Cody's on the app now. Nice. So I followed him. We shoot the shit every now and again. And uh, I remember it was like right at the beginning of the year, right around New Year's, he dropped a song with Connor Price. Are you familiar oh, with him? Know, of course. Buddy. And so uh, Connor does it really, really well too, where he kind of has that simplified studio yeah. setup where you're like, you kind of are seeing what the artist thing is happening. Yeah. You wouldn't want to like cop that because it would be so obvious it was a copy of that. Mm -hmm. But what he did intrinsically is pretty ingenious of saying like, okay, here's a kid at a computer who's recording. Well, that's, there are a lot, I've seen a lot of those, right? Swaco did it too. Oh, yeah. Um, and then that landed him, he did like a Papa Roach cover, I think. Or like a, a remix or something like that. I don't even think that was Swaco actually. Now I'm thinking about it, it was somebody else. But- Papa Roach finds it and they're like, this is fucking sick. Yeah. Why don't you come to LA and hop in the studio with us and we'll just do like a remix version of this for real. Right. That's like the, the power of TikTok, right? And so I think a lot about uh, what you have to kind of do to shift the, the you can't just do a music video. Like as far as stories go, there's only like 37 of them that can be fucking told. Like <laughs> every music yeah. video you've seen, you've seen in another fashion. If not by this band, then maybe by this country star, or this pop singer. I never thought about it. And so there, in, in so far as you can only tell so many stories, I think music videos by and large have become more visually oriented. Like they have to be interesting visually. There's like a color component or like a, you know, like Wes Anderson uh, is really big with like symmetry in his shots and like these very like symmetrical, like perfectly framed, somebody's perfectly in the middle. And that's a weird thing, but it does kind of stand out. And so I started to see like a lot of like rap music videos that are kind of not emulating his style, but they're, they're doing something that's very similar in that they're choosing this hyper stylized version of doing something. It's not just like it's like, oh, we're going to suck all of the greens out of an image so that all the trees are gray. <laughs> and like, there's just weird shit that you can do. But I think the music video route is by and large just changed. Like you can produce a music video as much as you want, but if it's not this absolutely epic and big thing, like Lil Nas X doing uh, Industry Baby, yeah. like that video was like, <laughs> it, it turned, first off, like he's a genius, I think. Yeah. And the fact that he can turn around and get that much attention on him and piss sure. that many people off at the same time, yeah. but also make one, it's like a very vibrant, colorful fucking video. Mm -hmm. And, and it has jumpsuits. all jumpsuits. Yeah, man. So it's got sick. all, yeah, it's so genius. <laughs> That's such a, like, and they may not have even had to actually wear pink jumpsuits. They might have just color shifted the orange to pink so that they got the exact pink color they want. Right. So now you don't even really have to go out and buy a bunch of pink jumpsuits, which may be very fucking difficult to track down <laughs> or having your grandmother fucking sew a bunch of jumpsuits together. But that idea of making interesting, visually engaging content is like, now kind of is like synchronous with the music video side of things. Like you have to have it in that realm with your song. Otherwise, why do it? You're almost better off doing what you were doing, which is just sitting there singing and playing and do it, getting the views that, cause that's now, that's zero budget. That's yep. as, as whatever I can imagine and wherever I can set this fucking tripod. Yep. <laughs> and so I, I want to know what your kind of game plan is going into some of these new, like you said, you had like some ideas for how you're going to do some of the new stuff. I think that's, you're going to be testing that. You're going to be A and Bing against other things that you try yeah. to see what doesn't work as well as you thought it would or what works better than you thought it would. And then for a, a release strategy, I feel like, uh, you know, giving yourself a few weeks to lead up or a week or two to lead up. And then like a few weeks, it's not just the lead up to the content dropping and then dropping it and then dipping out. It's like that follow up 
that you're really good at. You really stay consistent with the follow-up, whether, you know, whether it's just to get those extra couple fucking, so, you know, the other streams are down. Let's go ahead and make a post real quick. Yeah. Or it's, <laughs> you know, you decide to try something new and blow shit up in a totally different way. Those new, interesting, nuanced ideas are what are really, really good. There's a girl, I wish I could remember her name. She sets and she does like a looping pedal in her bed. And it's it fucking awesome. She's so good. She's got a great set of pipes and she's very clever musically. And her songs as they build, like her engagement is probably through the roof because she builds pretty quickly. Right. And so if you're if you can get in this, whatever this beginning beat is, if that hooks you there, all right, I'll see what the next layer is. And maybe you'll dip out after layer six because you're not into it. And then, okay, you're just not, that's not your audience. Instead of being the artist and looking at that and being like, ah, oh, my retention rate dipped off after four. It's like, well, what about all these people that stayed to the end? What, mm-hmm. what was it that I was doing that they liked? And can I double down on some of that to get some more of them? Or should I just stick to, you know, getting to that beginning chunk? It's a very optimistic way of looking at it. I mean, maybe. I don't know if I could do that. Well, there's a niche, right, for anything. <laughs> yeah. So if, that, if that, that is its own niche, that doesn't mean that it's just not as valuable probably as the one that showed where a lot of people were here. And then you watch your number dip down real low and go to the end of the clip. Right. So, uh, I'm in this phase now where I'm like, what should we do as a rock band to do things for TikTok to promote our songs that are not just like like playing a guitar playthrough or showing a guitar part, unless it's something really interesting, is not really going to capture a lot of people. But it will capture some people that maybe are like learning guitar or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have to find these things that fucking pair with your not just your band and your music, but like your guys' vision. Yeah. So for you, I think you're lucky that you're a, an individual artist and that you can kind of ch- pick and choose as you go along. Mm-hmm. But what what are you thinking about doing for some of these things idea-wise? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good question. So like, I guess I have this one song that's kind of half my heart-esque. It's like about, it's like about breaking someone's heart. And I mean, I just kind of have like more, more so there's, I wouldn't say they're skit ideas, but they're like, um, they tell the story and instead of, I think the problem that I was having, right, was that since I was posting something over and over again, the people that had seen that video already decided they liked it and were like, I know that I like this content. They see it and they're not like, let me watch the whole video. They're like, oh, this is the thing I like again. Bye. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, um, my content was great for finding new people, but not great for engaging with the people that I Right, had. and those are two different fucking avenues. Yeah. You're like, you got to get one that gets them in the door. What's the content you can put out that is the same song, but it's the thing that they're going to come back and watch now because right. there's some sort of an aspect to it. And if the first thousand people that see your video are your followers and they don't engage with it well because they've already established, okay, Eric's posting the same fucking song like eight for the It can get you an unfollow. Around. He's like, ah, yeah, he's doing the fucking thing again. Exactly. And, you know, they TikTok consumers people in general get really pissed off when they find out the song they like in front of them right now is coming out in four weeks. And as an artist, it also is exhausting because you don't really want to keep posting the same thing over and over every single day. Right. That's time. And then by the time time it comes out is when you really need to like crank down and like get to it with the marketing. And you're already, you've already posted it 25 times and you're like, geez, now this is where now we're starting. Yeah. Pre-saves we're yeah. suffering for a while there. Pre-saves so, suck. I hate pre-saves. You see about the new Spotify shift that's taking place? Is, are like you talking the, about the... There's discovery mode and then yeah. there's clips. And then I've there's, heard of discovery mode, yeah. And so I think you have to have like 25,000 monthly listeners to activate that, to be uh-huh. able to like engage with that. Mm-hmm. But if it's their marquee platform, 
it's dog shit pound for pound. Like, <laughs> like, they, like a minimum budget of like a couple hundred dollars to get it started and to do it. And it's like, yeah, it has guaranteed results, but the pay, the juice is not worth the fucking squeeze. Right. You're gonna, like, you can't be an artist and make money. It's like dickhead. You can't have the price be this high when you've agreed that you're only going to pay me 0.00032 cents per fucking stream. Yeah. Like, where do you think that money is coming from? Like, oh, you want me to work this fucking retail job, or this <laughs> restaurant job to, you know, be able to fund doing this. And it's like, to that degree that you're always investing in your thing, you got to see there, there's a point of diminishing returns where right. like you've done all the things you can do. If you're not seeing success with it, it's time to fucking switch it up or, you know, wait till the next song and try something new. Yeah. I think a, a, a lot of what is driving for people with anything, whether it's music or it's comedy or, or any sort of niche in the entertainment or, uh, you know, music industry is story. And so, like you said, like th to the, the effect that you want to go through and say, okay, now I'm going to start finding ways to like, tell stories about where the song came from or whatever. Like it would almost be worth being like getting somewhere in a heavily traffic area. Like here's a, here's my like spitball idea for what I would do for the song. That's like about breaking somebody's heart. I go get a bunch of fucking heart shaped glass things that can break and be like, uh, to ask them like, you know, have you ever been, has anybody ever broken your heart? Uh, and then you get them to tell, like to think about their story or maybe they, like they tell their story and then, after they're done, they take this thing that's glass and it's heart-shaped, maybe it's a rock or it's a whatever, and get, throw it against this brick wall and break it. And then you you just tell d different people's stories of things that go on. You've got maybe like, they've got a minute to tell the story of what this person did. And then you can, if you're filming it, because you, you have to film shit anyway, you film it and then you cut it down so it's as short as it can be while still telling the story and then ask them how they felt about it afterward. And now you've got this thing that ties in with this idea of breaking somebody's heart. And, you know, have you ever broken somebody's heart? Did you regret it? Can you tell me about that? And you get this story. And I bet every one of those stories you're going to get, for every one you get, you'll have a parallel for somebody in your audience that's going to look at that and say, oh, fuck, I did that too. Like the algorithm will fucking sort right. it out into that person's for you page to make them see it. And so that might be a genius way to go. That sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah. That's all I do is just shit out excellent ideas and then yeah. capitalize on absolute zero. <laughs> I can't, like, if it's my own material, I can't fucking look at anything yeah, that I'm no. doing and be like, oh, this would be a good idea for that. Mm. But, like, you need to have a community of people around you to help fucking spitball these ideas with to figure shit out. And, and that's, like, an easy one. It's, it's easy in that it's not high production value, but it is easy to attain. You can, you know film a bunch of them. You could do it here in State College somewhere in an alley, get the permit from the borough or whatever and say what you're going to do and be like, I'm going to clean it up afterwards because you're going to be breaking a bunch of glass in a fucking alley somewhere or whatever. Cause you, but you want foot traffic. You want to get the random person who's like willing to stop. Like, yeah. have you ever had your heart broken? Like, hey, hand them a mic as they're walking yeah. by and if they, if, they, if they stop and they'll answer, it's like, you see those on the street style videos all the time. Right. And that's like a way you could get people to engage with it maybe. I, the on the street style things are like super, they're, what you do now it's it almost right. feels like i i don't know i've seen so many people do it uh and it it just fucking works it's because you just want to watch people be people right you know? yeah like, we're weird that we like that much transparency yeah. like if some it, i love when guys interview girls in like bars and they're like <laughs> how do you feel about this and they say the most ratchet shit and you're like <laughs> That girl's yeah. dad is going to see this. That's <laughs> like, it's like, dude is like, will be like completely sober and go up to a group of like drunk Shit. people and be like, hey, say something dumb. And they'll be like, okay. And they'll say something <laughs> really stupid. And then everybody's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't actually know how I feel about that specifically. Because but this isn't this, this, this idea of spitting is not that. But yeah, it's no, like, it's it, is a, yeah. it is a play on that live in the person like spitting. Yeah. You know, if you can stop people and get a story out of them, that's a story worth listening to. Yeah, for sure. And most people feel like their story isn't worth telling. That's, I, did you Absolutely. listen to the podcast I did with uh, 
uh, Woody Woodrow. He's the mm-hmm. guy who wrote this book. I didn't you get are to the that rock star. That's I'm like recommending that one to everybody I know that's an artist because he is such an interesting character and he had such a really good way of framing it. He said to me in that episode, you know, we all are looking for permission to believe that our story is worth telling. And, and if you suffer from that and not knowing whether or not yours is, you just have to know that it is. Cause Mm -hmm. it's like, you, you, you'll never be able to know when you put a song out, who it's going to reach, how it's going to affect them, what it's going to do to help and uplift them or not. Uh, and, and that's the thing that we tend to not think about is like, oh, we're going to get this out. We're going to market it. It's like, we're trying to find the people we can find, but it's like you, you almost to a certain degree can't determine who all is and is not going to like your yeah. shit. No, for sure. It's like, uh, it's completely unpredictable because you know, you got, I've heard you say before that, uh, once you put a song out there, it's almost like the interpretation isn't really even yeah, yours yeah, to control yeah, anymore, yeah. especially with half my heart. The, the lyrics are like about me breaking someone else's heart. And half of the people responding to that saying like, oh my God, if a guy ever said this to me, I would literally, this would like ruin my life. I would cry forever. I would kill myself. This is terrible. (laughs) And then the other half of the people were like, dude, this is exactly how I feel. Like I wish, I can't believe I haven't heard a song like this before. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's. And you're not doing it in a very tongue in cheek way. Like your, your lyrics are, are, are visceral and pretty like they're clever. They're real and they're tangible. Like it's like things that people could see themselves saying or going through. And that's a, a huge barrier to entry for some people when it comes to getting into a new artist is like, do I, can I understand what they're saying? Okay. That's checkbox one, two. Do I like what they're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. What's next. And it's like, does it influence me in a way or does it affect me and make me think about a way that it, it kind of integrates into my life? Yeah. Right. But yeah, you put it out and like you have zero say and what, because yeah. it, it just, especially when you're clever with your lyrics, if you're weirdly lyriced and you put shit out there and you're like, oh, this is how I meant that. This is a play on words. This is a double entendre. But people don't hear it that way. They're going to be like, they, they could take it any number of ways. Yeah. You just have to, you know, resign yourself to understanding that once it's out there, that's the beautiful thing about it. Cause it comes from a very real place and there will be plenty of people that are going to connect with it on that exact same level that you wrote it from. Yeah. But then there's some people that, you know, maybe the key of the song is, you know, a little more uplifting. And so they, you ever hear that? Like a song where you really like it because like melody wise, it's really uplifting, but lyrically it's fucking depressing as hell. You're like, oh, I'm singing this. Like, oh, what? That's not how I feel at all. But yeah. like, I like this fucking melody. Well, the same thing right. goes in reverse. So it's like, it's just such a fucking mixed bag and you can never fully know whether what you're doing is right or wrong. It just is. And if you can get to the point where what you're doing is getting the fuck out there, then follow it up with some shit to release and be able to get some more fucking attention behind it. Like get, yeah. get more people to see it, to see what that interaction is looking like. We, we're looking at it like we're trying to capture fans and really we're just trying to get it out into as many people's ears as possible so we can see what their reaction to it is. Right. Cause there, you know, I'm a big believer in there's no such thing as bad press. Uh, you know, you may not want it at the time, but as soon as somebody's talking shit, they're talking about you. Yeah. So it's like, most people want to decide for themselves. So one person talking shit on you isn't going to do it. It's going to take them being like, oh, they talk shit. And like, oh, I'm going to find out about that. Like if something an artist does, it's like fucked up or whatever. And you'll look into it. Like I'll do my research. I'm like, oh, I'm going to find out what the fuck's going on in this. And then you, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's not what this person told me at all. And <laughs> actually the song's kind of fucking sick actually. And then, like, now you've got these fans yeah. straight up from the people that were hating on the person in the first place. Yeah, no, for sure. There's a, there's a lot of power in like in, people hating on you and being able to use that energy. Like the kid Leroy is one of my favorite artists. I just saw him live and it was like one of the best shows I've ever seen. I'm not even kidding. Where at? 
at the Bryce Jordan Center. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was he, just he there. He was there. just there like a couple weeks ago, and it was honestly one of the best uh, like shows I've ever seen. But when people call him Mid Leroy, I think it's so funny. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's such yeah, a stupid like, name, but like <laughs> such a stupid way to fine, make fine. Fuck of. it. <laughs> like that, that's just some other branch of marketing that I wasn't really yeah, paying exactly. attention but to. People but people like working. say that about him, and it gets him attention. Yeah, it's ex- exactly what you were. What did you about. like about the show? Oh my god, everything. The production. Him, his voice is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, just like the production. And I mean, it felt like I was watching like, he, he was really engaging with the crowd really well. What did he do that was so engaging? I don't really even know how to put it into words, man. I think he was just in love with him. I I think he can do no wrong in your eyes and you want to marry him. Yeah. That's, that's also true. (laughs) That, that might also be true. I'm like, um, he would tell the story behind the songs. Occasionally, he would um, he would just interact with the crowd in the way that a, an artist of that caliber caliber doesn't have to. Right, know? right, like, right, for sure. They can go out there and do their thing, and everybody will love it, and then they'll get off the stage. But he was like talking to individual people. He was telling stories about the songs. He's playing unreleased songs, and there was like a time where he was like, "This song's unreleased, but if you know the words, scream it." And a bunch of people started screaming it, and it was unreleased. And I was like, "Wow, that's that's fucking clout right there." He has it like that. Yeah, that's and awesome. I don't know, just um, like the stage setup, the lighting, everything they had. Walkway? Do you have like a walkway? Um, no, not I don't. Oh wait, it, he kind of had like a what was it? No, he didn't have the thing stretching out. Uh, oh yeah, he had levels. He had oh, levels. So he would be like, yeah. like a, he was like on an upper level stage, and he had like a full band playing these songs that I'd never heard. In the right, so you're not used to hearing it. So I'm yeah. trying to think of where I was. I want to say it was like Firefly a couple of years ago. Uh, Kesha was on it, and I oh, yeah. wanted to go. I was like, I'm going to go see Kesha. I've never seen it. I'm going to go see her at Firefly. Yeah, sounds sick. So I go, and I see her, and she like picked up a band basically at the side of the road and asked them to be her touring band. Really? And she, yeah, like for sure. And they were like, I don't know if they were like homeless or what they were, but they were fucking all great. And so you heard all these like rock versions of Kesha songs mm. with all the Kesha backing tracks and yeah, like produce sure. shit playing. But it, it gives you like a new way to kind of experience and enjoy something and in a live environment. I think that's even better because if you don't anticipate it, you get it anyway. You can be like, oh, this is fucking cool. Live is always the better way to experience something I think new yeah. that you're going to determine. If it's done well, it's better to experience it new than it is, I think, to be listening to a record for the first time. Because a mix and master can suck, and then you might just not vibe with that record at all. And then, But you see it live, and you're like, oh, I slept on that record. And you go back and listen to it, you're like, that's why. <laughs> yeah. There's, no, there's just like no winning sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so do you feel like because you do the Eric Damiano stuff – that's that is kind of like you time stuff, and then my hero zero stuff is like that's like work and play at the same time. But what do you do when you're not doing those two things? Like, what are the things that kind of? I feel like when you're a mu- musician or a creative in any sense, it's like the creative act is the thing that I do every day, and whether yeah. I'm doing it for a release that I've got in mind or whether I'm doing it just for like just the catharsis of doing it, I'm just enjoying it the same way. And it's not like I I can actually disseminate between like, this is me trying to sit down and make myself work and do something creative. And then I can do the, this is me sitting down and doing this work because I need it right now. Cause I right. feel like I need that. But so like, what do you do when you're not doing music things? Um, well, we talked about it earlier. I actually, for like a solid year straight, senior year it almost became a distraction from what i was really trying to do my senior year of college i was playing chess literally like nonstop. no oh, so yeah it's, you're still creating yeah, yeah. is my and point even like uh i i guess yeah and even in any sort of free time i had i was doing it during class i was watching like all the videos i needed to be watching uh like on how to do it and Are i was good? getting like involved in the community 
depends really what you good. consider good. I don't. I mean, I don't to know me, what the fuck I am. I played a dude who was apparently really good, and he. I lasted longer than I thought I would, and he, he beat me within like a. We were playing fast, but like within five minutes, I lost. And yeah. He was like, he was like, I will say you are good. He was like, I I didn't expect you to do the things that you did, and. Mm. You know, strategy is strategy. Chess is like it's kind of linear. Have you ever gotten into Go or anything? No. Like it's basically like a multi-tiered Chinese version of chess that is very, mm. very. It's like they consider it like one of the hardest games in the world. They're actually they've been training like AI to learn and play these games to yeah. beat like the Go masters of the world. Uh, do you feel like you're gonna? Have you ever thought about just like absconding and entering a few chess tournaments here and there? And seeing um, what the fuck yeah, is I up? mean, I would do the chess club every week. To answer your question, I. I, the, like a couple weeks ago was with my friends and we played a game and I went like 20 something moves blindfolded. <laughs> I can, See, I can that's like, a good TikTok I right can there. almost play a full game blindfolded. If it, if it's a quick win, like I could, I can kind of do it. I'm rated 1900. Do you know what that means? Uh, you no. have a rating? Explain it. Okay. Uh, well, there's like a, a scale. Yeah. There's a scale. It's a rating system. So like the top grandmasters in the world on like chess.com are rated like 32, 3,300. Okay. And I'm like 1,900. That doesn't mean I'm half as good as them. That's not what that means. But like uh, the the rating, as you, go, uh, as you go up in rating points, it becomes harder to like gain the points because you have um, you have more games. Oh, so it's go. a steeper curve. So yeah, by the time yeah, you yeah. get to 3,200, you're a fucking badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're going to be like a top 50 player in the world if you're above like Wild. that certain threshold. But yeah, um, and then they have like the world chess championship is going on right now. And I'm like watching that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, dude, it really, I like, it, that's it, awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, See, I, I feel it's like something. I would have, I would have kept playing it if I felt like I had more friends that wanted to play it. It was like, what? it wasn't checkers and most them. people didn't want to get into the idea of it, but I was yeah. like, this is better than checkers. Like, how do you not fuck with this? Yeah, it's cool. It's like, um, it, it was great for me because I don't feel competitive with music like in the slightest. <laughs> and you've met those people that do. Yeah, yeah, you've yeah. Sure. Everything's a challenge. I've, I'm super competitive with that other, with chess, like with that other thing. That's funny. You know, and I don't, I don't really care about it in a way. So I can get like my competitive angst out over there in the same way that I used to like play sports. <laughs> right. I have like this desire to be competitive, but like then I can go and I can make songs and not feel like I'm comparing myself to the people around me. I mean, I'm going to forever compare myself to the top people that are way above me. Right. right. But like, you know, my, I'm never, I have no desire. I, I want to see all of my friends musically like succeed, succeed and just like do everything they ever set their mind to. And yeah. I feel like if the the ego inside of me might not be that way if I didn't have another way of getting it out. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. If I didn't have chess, I'd be like, fuck that band. I'd be playing that game and like screaming at it, like so pissed off at it. I'm like, that's I would wild. never feel this way in any of the <laughs> That's so wild. <laughs> yeah, but it's important, I think, for that part of my life. So aside from the chess and the music stuff, do you feel like you have uh, – I guess if that is like your entirety of your life, do you feel like that's a pretty good work-life balance? Do you feel like you have a difficult <laughs> time kind of managing that? Um, I mean, well, music doesn't really ever feel like work. Right. It, it does in – it, on bad days where you're really not feeling good about what you're creating, if it's like work. Yeah, you know? I'm having that right now. We're just doing rehearsals yeah. and we're testing out a new in-ear set. Yeah, so today was mayhem. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I totally forgot I said I would do that podcast on Tuesday. I thought we'd be done rehearsing. Yeah. But we had to. We also had to film two videos. And luckily, we just pushed those back to Thursday. So I don't. I didn't have to. So I was able to get here early and actually nice. get something <laughs> to eat quick before I came in. But other than that, I was like, fuck, this is going to be a whole day of creating. It's all things that I love, but it's too much in one go without any of the time to be able to digest and enjoy it along the way. And I, right. you like to enjoy the journey along the yeah. way the work happens outside of the the shows i mean the actual being at the show for the three 
three and a half hours ish time that we're there is not the work. That is like the right. work paying off, and I get to go out and do what I really like. Right, to do. right, right. But right. me sitting, me sitting around like learning a new song, or it doesn't that that can be work before the show. But um, and then like if I if I'm writing a song that I think I'm like this is a banger. I don't feel like that's work. I'm like enjoying the thing that's going on. But if I'm sitting in my basement for two hours, staring at my laptop, like can't think of anything good. This all sucks. <laughs> right, yeah. That feels like work. And it also feels like a ma- massive waste of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, that's the other thing you is it's that. not, you have to, yeah, be, you, you have, have to, to fucking just show up. Yeah. We adopted this strategy when we went in the studio for our last full length that it was like, no matter what, we just show up. Like, even if we didn't, yeah. like we did take, we took like a day, maybe two weeks in where we just sort of took like a, a creative off day to kind of go out and see some shit. And like hike the mountains of Utah and like just do something that was like not being in a studio. And that was great. But I was so laser focused going into that that I felt like I had to be in the studio doing stuff to get stuff done, to get, get yeah. my money's worth and knock shit out and yada, yada, yada. And I was just looking at it like if I show up, even if it sucks right now, I'm going to know to avoid that thing later. If I, if I If it was an idea that I was tossing around in my head, I can – short circuit me having to feel the need to go through and complete that by right. spending some time with it now and being like, nah, this just isn't it. And then, and then inspiration can hit you later. Like the muse comes when you least suspect it. And then you get this new inspiration for maybe something that you did that was shitty before, but with this new layer, you're like, how did I fucking miss it? If I just put this underneath <laughs> yeah. here, it would have felt way different for me. Yeah. Right. No, it is. Um, I mean, it's a process, uh, being comfortable with writing bad songs and just making bad products is good. I mean, parody helps. If yeah. you if you can like go through and do anything parody oriented, yeah, it's so great for just finding melodies and doing all kinds of shit. I right. was I did one earlier and I can't even remember what it was. It was a song that was like on the radio, in where where I was setting up for the the music video set, uh-huh. and I just started like ad libbing something about like. I would take care of your baby daddy or something like that. Just saying dumb shit that like, it makes no sense. And, and, and they were on the other side of this wall where I was like gathering light stands and they're like, what the fuck did he just say? Uh, do you have sort of like a process for what you like to do before you get into like the rhythm of creating? Is there like a, um, a vibe that you like to set? Is it mood lighting? Is it? Uh, I mean, recently I've like Jason um, and the interns and Angel helped me set up a better studio in my basement where the lighting I didn't realize how much the lighting actually matters and just like the space that you're in. It's crucial. Shout out over here to you guys (laughs) because I was working in like a really weird environment before and it was and I – and then the second I kind of switched over, I kind of started to feel the vibe. But I definitely don't like when I have actual studio sessions is showing up to a session and not feeling prepared because for a long time I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to the studio. We're going to create something while we're there. But – I feel like the entire time I'm there, I feel much better if I know what the next step is. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like sitting in the studio and not knowing what to do or like right. being stuck. The stuck time happens while I'm in my house by myself with my guitar. Yeah, yeah. And don't like, bring that shit to word? the studio. And now this like this engineer or producer has to sit there and watch me like try and figure out what I want to do like, right, lyrically. Right. I'm yeah. like wasting his time. <laughs> yeah, it's like you the know? time the time to to write and conceptualize is before you get to the studio. Right. Getting if you're especially if you're an artist and you're paying, if you're paying to go to a studio yeah, and not sure. taking the leap to get in your own shit, oh my God, yeah. you're wasting your money and your time by going in there and figuring shit out. Unless you've yeah. got a, an engineer who also is like a side hustle is trying to like produce or whatever and he's willing to like do some shit. Mm-hmm. That's also a way to get somebody else's hands in on your project that you maybe don't want. That's what so, I'm starting to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I like to me I would rather know okay what do I have to do today? Oh, I got to track this fucking bridge or, or like right. I, I couldn't get this pre-chorus right. So uh, 
I don't comp any of my vocals, which is like the laziest fucking thing of all time that I'm happy to admit to. Really? I hate doing it. Because huh. I can hear anything and be like, oh, I like that delivery. Yeah. Oh, I like that delivery too. I have to make decisions. I can't make those decisions. Yeah. I have to have somebody that I trust with a good ear that knows what they're doing. Like, so the guy, Jordan, who mixes masters, our stuff, he, we just know each other so well. We've known each other for so long. A lot of the same musical influences. Like he knows by and large what I'm going for when I do it. So I'm like, here's a, you know, I have the 10 take rule. I'll practice it until I get comfortable with it. And then I'll do 10 takes. And I feel, if I feel like doing an alternate delivery somewhere in there, I'll do another 10 takes with that weird alternate delivery and let him decide whether or not he actually likes it at all. If he scraps it, he scraps it, fuck it, whatever. Right. But if he has enough to choose from for my leads and my doubles, he's going to get what I wanted to do, what I tried out of it. And he's going to find that he likes parts of my voice that Jason likes too, actually. I guess I like inflect certain things weirdly and in a way that is like not – that's palatable. Like he, mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, like I actually like that you say this in this weird way. Maybe I have like an accent when I sing. I don't know. But yeah. – when you can have somebody go and do that for you and not have to sit there and do it yourself, that's, I'm also filming all the fucking videos and then editing all the videos and taking care of the promos and taking care of the marketing and the everything else. So it's like to have to do this other thing that's going to definitely take a couple hours is just a wrench in the fucking machine that's going to make everything take yeah. way longer. So there's it's just, just easier to. There's just not it. enough time in the day to be a creative person. There's not. <laughs> there's just not. There's just fucking not. And yeah. honestly, I'm tired of it. Like yeah. I'm ready for there to be like another day given to the week. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, you'll like get home and you'll have say you get home and you have three hours to do all of these creative things you could think of. What are you, what are you going to spend the time? Like, and then you end up doing one and then you take way too much time doing that. You don't get to the other things. And then you realize that there's just like, you're just never going to finish it all. There's right. No way. Yeah. <laughs> no man is an Island. And I think it's harder when you're an artist and you feel like you don't have a team that supports you or is around yeah. you. And so I, I definitely think like rural America gets the shit in the stick here. Cause when you don't have, like, if you're not in the Nashville or in LA or New York or anywhere yeah. where you can find people, even on the outskirts in more right. of a quantity than you can in like a suburban area where there's just like no studios and things like that. And then, and then the vice of state college is that there are a bunch of really nice studios in the area, like high end analog gear, yada, yada, yada. None of that fucking matters if you, one, don't know how to use any of that stuff, and two, can't use that stuff to create the things that you're trying to create. Yeah. Like, all the nicest gear in the world. It's it's good to have the tools if you need the tools to get to where you're trying to go. But if you right. have the tools and you don't know what you're doing with them and you don't really have a plan for them, it's just as bad as being like, I got a cord. You want to hear this cord? It's yeah. like, cool. Well, what are we fucking doing with that, buddy? Yeah. Like, this isn't helping me. What do we, what do, we do? It's kind of like when you first start, like, recording in Logic or something or on, like, a even some like video software and you're like, Oh, I need these crazy expensive plugins to like right, make myself right, right. sound good. I need to buy auto tune, auto tune EFX yeah, or yeah, like yeah. Valhalla vintage verb. Yeah. Even though that's not an expensive one or, or like, um, what are all those crazy expensive EQs called fab filter? I need fab filter yeah, to EQ yeah, my yeah. voice. I do and love just fab like, filter. So yeah. I can't complain about it. <laughs> but like when you first start, that's just absolutely not the case. You can, yeah, you don't know enough shit about shit. You, yeah. know? <laughs> you don't know shit about shit and you're going to try to apply it. You're like, you're going to yeah. every one of these plugins is its own fucking rabbit hole. If you want to yeah. use it well. Right. And so, and that's like, I, I have friends that are like, Oh, I'd love to engineer. I'm like, do you want to engineer other artists really? Or do you just want to be able to make money doing engineering? Because the two of those are two different things. If you want to engineer other artists and that's your passion, you will be good at it if you like to do it. Mm. And you need to put in the hours, so just start fucking doing it. Yeah. But if you want to do it just to make money, artists are the biggest pains in the asses of all time. Like we're the most neurotic. <laughs> you like, get self fucked if you try to. Yeah, and you're like, you get somebody who shows up and is like, 
Hey, like uh, I heard a story the other day. My friend told me he was like, I'd ask a guy if he was ready to record. And he'd go, yeah. And, and it, I'd leave like eight seconds of silence while I was getting ready. And then I'd start recording. And as soon as I hit fucking record, he'd be like, <clears throat> <clears throat> and like phlegmy, gross, but you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like the time to do that was before I hit record motherfucker. Yeah. Like what are you in my ear? Like I can literally hear you fucking. And, and so like you have like, to be oh, the schmutz noise. <laughs> That's the schmutz noise. That's the fucking worst. I've, I've definitely, when you're really fucking dehydrated at the end of a day of recording, you're like, it all sounds like that. Now I fucking hear it and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> oh. But that idea of like, if you want to work with artists to make money, it's like, that's not, <laughs> I don't think you know what you're biting off if you right. have not already spent an inordinate amount of time with artists figuring out whether or not you can handle being around mm -hmm. them. Because we're, we're bad. We're fucking, yeah. we have terrible mannerisms. Engineers and producers, I feel like, are in the trenches of the music industry when they first start. Like, as an artist, you're like, okay, I can post my videos. Good. And they singing. should be. They <laughs> should eat just as much fucking shit as a creative person in any fucking other facet has to do. You're not exempt just because you're fucking clicking things and you know which plugins do which thing. Like, you got to eat shit just like everybody else. Anybody yeah. in any industry that doesn't want to fucking deal with that is like, get the fuck out of yeah. here. It's just the networking is so difficult because right. uh, they have to reach out and, but also like, you need to you yeah, need like, to have the you need to have the clients to get the clients. Yeah, and, he, and like, like when's the last time you searched the metadata of an artist that you like to find out who produced this thing or whatever? Uh man. Like never. So it's like getting that. finding it's almost yeah. always exclusively you hear word about of mouth. great engineers through word of mouth is what I yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh there's this thing that I just saw the other day on the music side of TikTok where they were saying, you know, it's you don't have to have like if you could go to whoever mixed in master whoever mastered Drake's last like big hit or whatever. Yeah. Like that guy is probably in a price point to mix and master or to master your song that is not too unattainable. And just by proxy of having him master it, you've got this attachment to oh, this yeah, major have, label artist side of things. Yeah. And so they say like, you know, you should get a professional uh, biography writer to do your band bio or to do your artist bio so that you can say like, you know, the guy that wrote our bio is the guy who did the weekend's bio and the guy who did this guy's bio. It's like, you want those names attached to your project because we're, you know, as human beings and, and, you know, consumers of music and consumers of art, we're very interested in where it came from and who did it and who had their hands in on this and why and why, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I think like, I'm really curious to see what you're going to do with these next round of songs. I want to see like where things go because. Well, I was on a podcast with Emmy Award winning. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. That's the start. Right? Uh, did you, do you send out for Mix and Master or do you do it in-house or? Um, so I usually produce, like, I guess the process now is I write the song, I produce the song. And then I have like a demo version that I keep on my laptop. And then I will bring – like what I've been doing is bringing it to Nate. We re-record Nate um, Proctor, Elevate. Yeah. We re-record um, the vocals at his house or in Jason's basement or wherever. And then he mixes them. He also mixes the beat. So like I call myself the producer, but you know he has a big part of the production and he is definitely right. the engineer. So right. like, I don't know, I'm the writer, producer, and he's like the producer, engineer. Yeah, you guys can co-produce. Yeah, before I was giving him like a rate, but I think me and him are like trying to work something out where we just kind of work together. Do the split and yeah, just call and it a day, yeah. It's, I, it's more fun that way. If we just both go in and we're just trying to work on something that we both want to have be really successful, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're in a really interesting area right now where as independent musicians, we have a lot more control because of the platforms that we distribute our music through. Yeah. And so uh, we do distribute through uh, STEM. 
And STEM is a company that my buddy Alex Goot kind of like set us up with. And one of the things that I like is it gave us the opportunity with different people that we work with to say, hey, if you're going to do this thing, can I barter with you? I know your price is this. Would you be willing to take a... a a percentage and like a lower rate. And you, being able to kind of flex and do that is nice as an artist because sometimes you're like, I'm, I could justify paying the two, $200, $250, $300 or whatever for the mix and master of this song any day of the week. Yeah. But is it worth it for you to put a little bit more heart into it to give <laughs> you like 20% on the streaming or whatever yeah. to do it that way? I, I literally, I've done project work with uh, Alex in Nashville where he's like, yeah, um, I can pay you outright. I can pay you like a, a a decent rate if you want to do it that way, or I can offer you this percentage and that percentage over mm -hmm. time on several projects that we've done distributes, you know, a paycheck to me like that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not working for, but as he's making millions of streams a month, it's like, I'm getting a small residual of that. And yeah. so I, I, I'm not seeing it as much in the filming space, right? but I definitely see it in the music world. Yeah. And so before it was like, if you did a record with a producer who was like somebody you really wanted to work with, they would straight up tell you beforehand if they were gonna if you were, they were doing your whole record or even just doing like a single they'd be like yeah yeah I'll do it for free for a, a uh, you know a split on the song and then I knew bands that were like fuck that he wants to take a whatever the fuck split I'm like you this dude has multiple gold and platinum records under yeah. his belt like you take give him the fucking points give him whatever mm -hmm. he wants is yeah. this the last song you're ever gonna write. No. Yeah. Well, then what the fuck are you holding on to? Like, yeah, give, exactly. Get his points on there. He's going to be more inclined to fucking promote it and show it to people. And right. that's how you find another agent or another, you know, manager or another, you know, somebody that can be a publicist. Anybody that wants to be a part of team Eric Damiano is by networking. Yeah. And so sure. that networking process, I think we think of it as like, oh, you got to rub elbows with them in a club or find them in a studio as you're doing like an audit session or something. But really it's every step of the process in that creative space, you have the opportunity to collaborate with somebody mm -hmm. or die. And yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but it, it was too close. I had to. I said, no, you have the opportunity to collaborate or you can fucking turn around and say, I'm going to do this all myself. And then when you put it out, nobody's had their fingers in it. So nobody's, you know, even on just like the small word of mouth side of things, if we do a song and all of the members of my bandmates are, you know, we're co-writers and then our friend Jordan mixes and masters and produces it. And our buddy Nukage does some production, like, you know, track music for in the background of things. It's like, now when we drop it, he's going to talk about it. His audience of people in his, in his social reach is going to see it. All of ours and our independent reaches is going to see it, plus our mixing mastering engineer. And then, you know, uh, like we were distributing things through HBSL Records um, for a while just to help them get some, uh, you know, artists under their, yeah, you know, under the distribution to say like, yeah, this is, we're responsible. At some point or another, when they're trying to pitch to get people in or get money in, they got to be able to say, I, we are responsible for, you know, millions of views or millions of streams across all these different platforms. That's what sells people into wanting to work with you. And that's how you have to, you know, like you said, you got to have clients to get clients and you know, you can't always rely on word of mouth because sometimes you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm now I'm in this lull where nobody, you know, that period between December 15th and January 15th, good fucking luck getting any yeah, work in there because right. everybody tunes out and it's like, yeah. ah, I'm going to chill and do th shit over the holidays. And then new year's hits and you have like that two week kind of coma period where you just don't feel right. like doing anything and not everything is really fully operational yet. And so I just feel like it's hard whenever you're trying to like network, if you don't put yourself out there in ways that you don't expect to put yourself out there. TikTok's made it easier, I think. Mm. 
I think I like mixed with the masters. That's like one of the ones I. Oh like yeah, I watched that one. There's the, the, that's, that's, good that's, that's good to see. If the musician who also engineers your own shit sometimes, it's good to see. Like yeah. what the fuck? What, how? What went into the pie? How did you fucking make this? Like I don't understand. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. You said I just that. Feel thing. like they never really give out the sauce. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the <laughs> other part of it. It's like. <laughs> How do you do that unless you do maybe like a subscription thing or maybe you could audit one of these major engineers as they're live mixing the new Taylor Swift song? Okay, I can set up a live stream for you and you can literally set the exact audio for what you're doing through your DAW into your camera that goes to the live stream. And then he can literally have a talking mic for as he's speaking through shit. So you can literally like see the screen share he's doing plus see him plus listen to the, you know, if you have like, you know, high fidelity headphones on, you're able to listen to what the difference is in, you know, these like, Oh, I'm going to pan this here. So you can hear it's here. Now you have these opportunities to AB and learn as an artist and that shit way more helpful. And the barrier for entry for me going to sit in the studio with like Chris Lord Alger, one of like my favorite, like, you know, mixing and mastering engineers is almost slim to none. Yeah. But if I can find shit that like Rick Rubin, I, I love that he has like little to no like musical talent or skill, <laughs> oh, yeah. but he's like, I can intuitively hear what it is about what this artist is doing. And I can see this thing that's kind of holding them back. Right. And, and how they can navigate around that from sort of like a more psychological standpoint or, you know, like that's, we're always in our own head. So the, usually the things that's holding us back are us. So it's like, you just have to find, it's just a Absolutely. weird fucking web to have, been weaved that we have to like somehow walk through yeah totally <laughs> so when is uh, when are the next songs coming out um haven't really decided on it like i said i think for the next one i'm actually just gonna throw it out there like i'm not gonna just gonna drop it yeah i'm gonna be like is this ready okay i kind of think it's ready um put it up and as soon as spotify like approves it or whatever it's there and then like from there i'll just who i honestly really won't I'll I'll try and change my mindset that I had for the past two years and just stop caring what everyone else is saying or like how the views are doing on the song and just like have it out there. Because even if I post it and like one person sees it and they want to listen to it, it was worth releasing it, you know? I always think about the back catalog side of things. Like yeah. you write this song, yeah, sure, maybe it does flop. What about the next one? And what if that one goes fucking viral and everybody and then finds it? And comes out. Well, it comes, they come back to this one. Yeah, right. there's the opportunity for them to go back and say, oh, I like this. What else does he have? Like yeah. that happens, certainly. For so sure. like if you can stop focusing on the immediate one and and not worry about how it's going to do, it'll, yeah, it's definitely going to serve you better. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's kind of like a... Um, it's it's a it's a loop that's in my head because part of me is like part of me <laughs> feedback loop you're like yeah, again yeah part of me is like oh my god I need to be releasing song after song after song and then the other part of me is like well no don't do that I gotta hit the algorithm yeah, every like, four to six weeks I, you need to like really think about this you know and I'm like oh do I just like go after it and like how Russ you were talking about Russ earlier how he yeah. was releasing like song like it felt like every single day I guess to him and then but then like in the in the long run that helped him out so much right but. To somebody, if it doesn't work out like that, that's a lot of effort and energy put into something that might not have worked out. So it's like, I don't know. You look at Russ and you're like, yeah, of course you should do it the way Russ did it. <laughs> yeah, genius. yeah. I've seen that the it works. That guy's a marketing genius. Right. I'm not a marketing genius. No, like not everybody is Russ. It's like <laughs> he took the throw shit at the wall and see what sticks approach. And like yeah. that's fuck. That's a total. It's yeah. a ballot approach, especially For when sure. you're in the. You're essentially brainstorming your releases in that way. So mm-hmm. when you put them out, you're like, I don't know where everything's going to go, but I want to see what happens. And the only way to kind of collect the data is to have it out there in the first place. Yeah, sure. I was going to ask you, like, uh, he did. Uh, I forget what the name of the song is. You might know the. He did a song where. No, the one that he put out, he did an open verse challenge. Nasty. nasty. Oh, yeah. No, no, nasty's the 
Nessie's his newest one. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was that one. Yeah. I don't know. The the girl she did like a verse. That's nasty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that one. Is or, it or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, if that's not the song, shoot me, audience. But like that idea of she did and she laid down like a verse that was really fucking clever and mm-hmm. just as fucking sassy and badassy as his. And like I remember listening to it. I remember before they officially did that release together. It was his song was already out. And so he was like, oh, uh, I guess I'm going to re-release it with this version with her. And obviously the one with her took off because it was, you now it's again in that realm of storytelling. You have him telling one side of the story. And now you've got the other perspective of this story, which we look at as the dichotomy of like men and women dating and the shit that they say to each other and how they navigate who's doing this and who's a fucking gold digger and who's a fucking player and who's this and that. Like a really interesting way to navigate that. If you thought about doing maybe like an open verse challenge, do you think you'd have that engagement with your audience it, or if your audience that you do have engagement with is in that music side of things, they might do uh, an open verse challenge or something like that. It's something I've considered. I just, I, it's so hard because an open verse is like, it, it's not even me doing anything, but it's so vulnerable because it's like, I think that I'm saying to the audience, I think that this is worthy of somebody else putting in this much effort where they do a whole verse to my song. And like you could put out an open verse and then not a single person does a verse to it. And it's like that, if that happened to me, I think I would feel weird about it. But Be like, I put myself out there. I gave you guys this opportunity and nobody took it. And it's probably and now because, I look like a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. Now I look fucking stupid. But my, my, <laughs> my point for wanting to do it. Yeah. My point for wanting to do it would be, okay, so you put it out there. Yeah. Maybe you don't get anybody that jumps on it. But imagine a better case scenario, right? Right. So yeah. you put it out there and then somebody does bite on it and they do it. And now you've got this artist that you could potentially collaborate. You could release the original yeah. as is and then turn around after this prompt open verse challenge. You know, this is a song I wrote about this. I'm not going to share the other verse with you. I just want to hear what your take is on it. Yeah. And then you just fucking put it out there. And somebody comes back and writes something that's like pretty out there. You're like, wow, mm-hmm. that's fucking actually wild because yeah given the case you say you do get some people that do it and every one right. of them sucks so, like are you gonna do anything with it yeah. mm, probably not if, I, if it doesn't fit and i don't see any way i can kind of shoehorn it in there and make it work i'm not going to but i look at it like this you've got one piece of content you're trying to put out that's the song and for that piece of content you need so much short form media to go along with it that you almost need to have like you, you've seen the quality of the style of things that you can put out that take next to no effort to do and so if that is just one, is this open verse challenge version of it, it's just one opportunity. And so cool, that's one in the bank of 30 that I need to have for the next month to right. like, you know push this release as after it's out, Fair especially enough. if you drop it. So if you drop yeah. it and you're like, I did this, full song you can check out here, but th- I, I, I wanna see what everybody else would do with this first or whatever. However you frame it, it's just one more opportunity for the short form content video to go out to support your release. That's true. It's like, I, I don't know. I, we do this where we like, I this know is a, that you're doing I, it. Cause I'm only seeing it in you yeah. because I do the same fucking thing. Right. I can't think of a single thing for our new song spitfire single fucking thing. Can't can barely decide what I want to do with the music video for it. But in doing a bunch of short form content, it's like, yeah, we could do like playthroughs and I could just sing in front of a microphone and make it look like I'm actually tracking it that way or whatever. But I want, you need this like, group is spectrum of content yeah and it like just like the songwriting aspect they can't all be bangers so if you're going to have some that aren't going to be bangers at least do something that could yield maybe an interesting result it's like catalytically inclined i'm going to do this open verse and we'll see what happens fuck it yeah if it flops like okay whatever move on it's not the next it's not the last song you're going to write and you you have to do this and i'm only saying this to you because i'm hoping to god i'll fucking listen to this episode later and be like yeah you too dickhead but like (laughs) you have to fucking come up with like a, a bunch of ideas 
that are different from each other, but also all contribute in the same direction of pushing that song. Exactly. No, that's totally true. And I, I think I understand the power of like certain types of content, like the open verse challenges. Obviously it is a proven, it is a proven form of content that works for engagement, for getting people to listen to your song, to meeting other artists, all of that stuff. And I think I'm just like, so in my own head all the time. That what, like, <laughs> what gives me the right to yeah, put this like, out there? I don't, you know, it's like, I, I have this song that I think is good enough that you should hop on this song. And I'm like, I don't know. It's, I, I have a huge ego and I like, I'm trying to hide it. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually just trying to cipher. It's not that I don't have it. It's too big and it can't get out. Actually. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's trapped inside. It just affects everything I do. It's no, piloting my entire yeah. life. Actually. It's something that like I'm actively working on, but it's also like, I don't know. It, She's laughing over there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Dave on Hulu at all? By yes, chance? Did yes. you watch the last season that came out? Oh, what? Season I, two, basically. Last, no, wait, didn't that just come out? Or is that season three, three just started? Okay, New episodes are, I think, I every Wednesday or Thursday. I think I might have dabbled in season two, but I watched all. So, season, season two, you have to, even if you don't have the full context of any of the rest of the series, you need to watch, if you know who Lil Dicky is, you need to yeah. watch the Peanut episode. Cause he's coming out with this album and he's like, he's going to work with Rick Rubin and he has like, no way to kind of get access to it. He's like, I'm just stuck creatively. I'm not writing anything. The reality is that's not true. Like what's stopping him is all these, all the, the, you know, back talk in his head that's saying like, yeah. Oh, like this isn't enough or oh, don't do that. Or why would I have the right to do this? And, and any one of those ideas is not enough to kind of curb the idea from coming out, but all of them kind of, like you said, looping feedback, looping around, right. keep you in a place where you're not going to do the thing that you're actually already genuinely talented at yeah. doing. And so he goes down and he visits his inner ego and he's like, oh, I'm supposed to kill you. And he's like, uh, <laughs> like you're actually the ego. <laughs> like, and so that whole episode, he goes over to a keyboard and he hits space bar. And it's just this, this like eight bar section where he just starts like rapping something silly and it's fun and it's catchy and it's energetic. He's like, oh my God, that's, can I have that? Can I have that? Like yeah. you're me. Like, can I have that song? And he's like, I am you dickhead. Like, this is you, like you have this in your head. <laughs> and he comes out of this uh, deprivation tank and he just starts running to the studio <laughs> as fast as he can. Cause he's like, there's an engineer said, he's like, hit record, hit record. I need to get this down. And then he just starts like, you see him like he's in his underwear, maybe even naked, just bouncing around in the studio from the window <laughs> outside. And he's just tracking the part that he just heard inside of himself. Right. But that is so I like one of the things that makes that show so brilliant to me is it really accurately captures the fucking plight of the artist who you're like, you battle this line of grandiosity, right? You have these delusions of grandeur. Yeah. And then you also have the fucking meek piece of shit, baby artist. Who's like, nothing I do is good enough. <laughs> like, how do I fucking, so how do I feel that I'm it's larger so than life and the biggest piece of shit at the same time? Like, yeah. I don't know how I'm finding this to be like my experience, but the reality is it's gotta be somewhere in between. And, and the rest of that is like, okay, so then I have access to a lot of like, pretty grand things that I can pull off and do that are unique to me from my influences. Mm -hmm. So dude, we got to get you out of this, this no, fucking spot. No, you're totally right. It's like, cause you're me, doing the one thing really well. You write fucking all the time. You write all kinds of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's to be an artist. You need to it, like, you need to have an ego to think that you're special enough to do this crazy thing, <laughs> but you also need to understand what it is you're actually doing. And like, be self-aware enough to realize like, okay, come on, man. It's got to also, place. you got to believe in yourself, but you also have to be realistic and it's yeah. fucking hard to do both of those things. But you were saying like earlier, 
the best advice you could give to somebody is to just do it. Because even if you genuinely think like, oh, like what you're just saying, like, oh, nothing I do is good enough. Even if you genuinely think that you're wrong, because if you think that, <laughs> that you're- can't be true. Yeah, if you if really- it can think, be true, the exact opposite can also be true. Yeah, that's the exactly. fucking reality. And people don't want to face that. They're like, it has to be this thing that I'm thinking that's self-deprecating. But really, if it's possible that I suck, it's also possible that I'm fucking awesome. Yeah. So like, and it turns exactly. out I can only have one perspective and there are billions of us out there. So you have to fucking be able to see who, who thinks you're the shit is going to come out of the woodworks and fucking yeah. be a part of what you're doing. For the longest time I was writing songs and I wasn't showing them to people. I wasn't posting them anywhere. Cause I thought like, oh yeah, well these probably just aren't that good. And then I got advice from my chorus teacher in high school, the guy that I was working with, he said, he was like, you really think you're special enough where you could create something that you like and that no one else is going to like. If you genuinely like it, you think you're that awesome that you're the only person on the planet that could enjoy this. Right. And I was like, dude, shut up. Like, but that's, that's basically so what you're true. saying. You're like, it's so true, though. Like, you're not, you're never, you aren't special enough to create something that you genuinely like that, that no, no one, one else, else will. Yeah. Earth, Turns out you like, like shit that other people also like. Yeah. So <laughs> if you, if you like what you're doing, you should show other people because somebody else out there is going to, too. Like, yeah. It's the bottom line. It really is, man. And the thing is, is it's all it does. It's the ego telling you that like, oh, like you're that. How dare you feel like you're good enough yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but the reality is like just by proxy of you doing it, you could. Ne- I mean, I've seen I've been on tour with artists that are like terrible and their fans are fucking diehard. So it's like <laughs> I, I, you can't use yourself as a litmus test to determine whether or not what you do is good or not, because yeah. it's not up to you. For sure. You just have to do it the really thing you do. And you. It's not. And we feel like it is. We feel because we want to enjoy it too. Right. And so in a line with being self-deprecating or like hypervigilantly like critical of ourselves because we have to be, we're, we're our own worst enemies in, in the nature of wanting to be that way, we want to release stuff that we feel good about. But the problem is I never feel so good about something that I think it could be the next big thing or whatever. And it's like, what makes something the next big thing, whether it's for you or for the world is not up to you. Like, it's just what, it's how you connect. You got, which makes it that much more like prudent and important to be authentic and real with yourself, with your you know music, with your audience. Like the, you can't bullshit people. Like I'm not going to sell somebody a record that they don't want to listen to. <laughs> they either want they either want to listen to it or right. they don't. Yeah, you can. <laughs> it's not it's not obviously a, a good engagement yeah, plan no. for like keeping people on board for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have like a plan for like what you'll do when you drop the song for TikTok? Do you do you have like anything kind of lined up yet? Um, I mean, I just have video ideas. Like, uh, do you do like a notepad file where you just write a bunch of yeah, ideas yeah, down? yeah, for sure. I mean, I have like, oh, this girl texts me this, and my response is boom, song or something like that. <laughs> like the hook is just like super stupid, or it's super awesome. I don't know. It's not up to me. We just right. established that. Or like, um. I'm sitting in my bed and there's like a girl sleeping here implied that it's my girlfriend and I'm singing about how I don't love the person that I'm with. Yeah. And they're like, holy shit, this guy's a fucking piece of shit. Let me keep watching and, it, <laughs> and see what happens. You're feeding into the narrative that both sides have something to say about. Yeah, like, exactly. Because the, the that's been- what happened with the last one. I kind of would like really liked that idea too. The the concept of like some people are like, I can't believe somebody would say this to somebody. Some people are like, I feel the exact same way. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's the beauty of TikTok is everybody falls on both sides of the fucking spectrum. Yeah. Like, I did a post uh, about, okay, so Trump got indicted last week. Was that last, was that last week or the week before? Yeah. Okay. So last week, so last week, 
Trump gets indicted. My mom calls me and I'm like, I'm sitting here in the studio and I'm like, I'm editing and doing some work. And she's like, Hey, I need you to go home and get that big flag off your wall. And I was like, what? And she's like, go get that big American flag off your wall. We're going to take it down downtown and we're going to parade and dance through the streets. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll bite. Why the, why are we doing this? And she was like, Trump got indicted, baby. And so I did a story where I was like, my mom just called me and told me to take the flag down off of the wall in my apartment and take it downtown and go dancing in the streets because Trump got indicted. And at the end of it, I was like, basically like a public service announcement. I was like, check on your old folks, y'all. Like, they're be, they're about to be a little riled up. In my mind, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, left or right. If you if Trump gets indicted, everybody's fucking riled up. Somebody's gonna you have to, something to say about and it. And so I had a bunch of people commenting that got the fucking point. And then some people were like, "So are you celebrating or are you upset?" I'm like, "Well, typically parading and dancing is associated with celebrating." Mm -hmm. But uh, and then somebody was like, "Oh, I guess I ended up on the fascist side of TikTok." I was like, "Wait." How could you have taken that more wrong? Like, and so just in the event, like I put it out there thinking very clearly that in my head when I, when I said it, my goal was to say, oh, I say it in a neutral enough way where both sides could understand yeah, that's that. That's a mistake, you, man. No, no, no. It, it wasn't in this grounds because I was looking specifically for like the uh, – put it on vibrate and it still vibrates. Um I put it on silent and still sense. vibrates. <laughs> Shut up. I know what I said. <laughs> Cut that part out. Uh, yeah, so like I, I said it in a way where it was just ambiguous enough where like just checking on your old folks was like – it was indicative of the idea that there were going to be people on both sides of the fence that would see this video. Yeah. And so – and in regardless of where they are, it's where their parents are. And so with parents, yeah. the real split happens because like I know a lot of people that are hyper fucking liberal and their parents are the most conservative people of all time. <laughs> and then I, and you know, and on the flip side, you know, somebody who's like super conservative and their parents are straight up like hippies. Like this person straight laced, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, but you go to their parents' house and they're like, Hey, you want some weed? Like, you're like, what? How the fuck did you, how did he how get here? He's the same. Yeah. Like, and so just people. being mindful of that, I was like, you know, <laughs> check on your old folks. Cause some of them are going to be fucking riled up because he's getting indicted in, in a bad way or like in, and that they're upset about it. And then some people are going to be fucking ecstatic about it. Yeah. And so I put, it that way i did not expect the commentary to kind of reflect that but i guess i should have it made perfect sense now that i've said it out loud that it would have but and it did i just like the, the comments i love that I, I know we're not supposed to because it's kind of like a drug and we're addicted to the dopamine hit we get from it but it is really nice to fucking put something out and then interact with people that do things did you see the video that i did for jason's cat boo viral video yeah, for me yeah. fucking 1.3 million fucking likes <laughs> and i was like what the fuck yeah and I wish, I think I hashtagged our band in there. And so that's another way to get your names hashtag up there is to have it on a video that does well. Mm -hmm. So like our hashtag searching searchability or indexability or whatever is like, I don't know how many millions of like views it's gotten, but that's like, that's good for you know, algorithmically you want that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you, you can kind of get away with doing that too. I think it'd be funny to see you do the, 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 the dichotomy split between the viewpoints on yeah. a video. Dude, like, I don't think anybody anybody's like focusing on doing it, but it would be nice to see somebody do a video where the focus, one focus is on the uh, protagonist side of the story. And then yeah. one side is the antagonist side of the story. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like implied that the protagonist, it's very uh, introspective, I think. Cause it's not, I'm not out here saying that I'm like doing the right thing, you know, for right. the song. Like when um, the, one of the lyrics is like, I say it back, even though I don't mean it. Oh, <laughs> and, 
uh, I'm, I'm but not that's out a here, real place. That's a, like, I'm not out here saying like that's the right thing to do. So when you come at me and tell me that it's an offensive thing to say to a person that you claim to love, fuck that. You can't even right. pay attention to you're that. Right. Because you can't. You can't pay attention to that because the reality is, everybody, <laughs> people are doing this, and, yeah. and somebody's no, it's gonna, the reality. It's just, just exactly, yeah. and it just is the reality of the situation, and you have to be able to acknowledge that. People that yeah. like want to put the blinders on and pretend that like the other side of the story doesn't get to tell it to get to tell their side of the story is like yeah. that's not. You want you want just and you want fair, but you don't want equality or equity here. And uh, <laughs> the sharing of the fact that the human experience is ripe with like you know both sides of that coin. Whenever it comes, when you do breakups, you know, uh, I really love that you you do pretty well at being clever with your lyricism and being Thanks. like I said, like visceral in a way where people can connect with it almost colloquially. Like you say things, you sing things in a way where I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I feel like that too, or I have definitely felt like that also. And if you're the person who's heartbroken in that case. You're like, you, you ever listen to a song that you know gets you teary-eyed, but you listen to it anyway because you just like how, mm-hmm. how fucking it you just- You like to feel that way. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, not even that you like to feel that way, but you like that it hits on the, all the right yeah. chords and the emotion in the right yeah, way that evokes that yeah. feeling. Yeah, sure, like, yeah. That's, a, that's a really powerful thing. And, and I think the more you can do shit like that, the more you have the, that's staying power. That's a like lasting power for you as an artist. Yeah. For sure. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I remember I'd be like in elementary school and I'd, it'd be like raining and I'd put my head on the window and I'd listen to like Blink-182. Like, <laughs> yeah. Classic. Where are you? Yeah. And I yeah. thought I was in a music video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, you're picturing where the camera would be over yeah, here. Like I do that to myself on purpose though. Despondently looking out the window. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Using words like despondently to describe it. <laughs> Typing in your live journal. That was just me. Sure. Uh, if you had a musician that you could work with today, who do you think it would be? Like you've got, you've got your pick of the litter, anybody you want to do on and don't burn it out on the fucking first one you think of. Like what would yeah. like if you're trying to write like your magnum opus, like the song that you think most people will recognize you for at, long after you're gone and you could pick somebody to do that record with. I think I would still like, I think I would have to go with my first thought. I, if I, <laughs> like if actually, I, it's exactly yeah, my first thought. Yeah, no. Um, if I had to choose to work with anybody, I think it'd be Lauv because I think that he super inspired me in um like a songwriting aspect he has a he has an album it's it's called the playlist i miss you when i was 18 and the each each song kind of describes like a different emotion that comes with being in a relationship like he starts out with the i like me better when i'm with you and everything's great and that's the first song and then it ends with like um i'm never gonna be able to do anything ever again without like thinking about you. Right. And it just goes, it just like goes from happy to sad. That makes and it he's a got great fucking things, album like, name then. The playlist, like yeah. the playlist. Yeah. It's it literally is. the one it, you go through while you're exactly in love. exactly what it is. Yeah. So he, it's like, it starts out super happy and then he has specific like objects. He has like motifs, like fire. He talks about fire a lot in all the songs. Yeah. Do you and, do any of that? I fuck with the, the software. It's not software. It's a website, uh, Master Writer. Oh, and they have a lot of things where they can bring. i that. They you bring, showed me that. I, yeah, I think I did. They branch out into like word trees and so like if you want it like fires and every there was a meme that was going around like a couple weeks back about how a bunch of bands have the watching the world burn and it's oh, like yeah. this lyric that a lot of people use and and obviously fire is an immediate go-to for right. for that but you don't think of like the other words that are attached to that so not just yeah. fire but like extinguish and so like yeah. those I, I like getting drawing inspiration from shit like that but also when i write i kind of i'll write long form like a thought out and then i'll almost like a journal entry. And then I'll pluck from that the things that I, like parts that I, you know, when you say something and you're like, oh, that's a note, that's going in the notepad mm-hmm. or or whatever. 
if I write it, it's the same thing. I can actually go piece by piece from the beginning, the middle to the end to tell the story, pluck the things out of it to write the stanzas. And then I'm like, okay, here's this maybe like A, B, A, B, A, B rhyme scheme or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, but these words are really simple. And they say you're supposed to write shit at like a fifth grade reading level for lyrics and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I just don't subscribe to that. Like I, I would rather have slightly more intelligent people <laughs> that get yeah. the word and the weird clever wordplay that I'm using to tell the story than to not. There are so no like, rules. There, there are no rules, but like you have parameters that you set yeah, for yourself. So do you ever sure. do that where you fuck around with like word families and stuff like that? I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it comes naturally. Like I kind of just write something that I I think of. I mean, the part of it was like when I wrote the, the lyrics, I don't want to be the name of your playlist. I, oh, is that I, barring from the playlist? I kind of knew. No, it's not. That's a good thought. But I kind of knew that people would maybe think that's funny enough if they were to name me their playlist. There are like over a thousand playlists on Spotify that are just named my name because they were like, haha, look what I did. Ah, uh, like, that's fucking funny. That's gotcha. so smart. That is like passively <laughs> genius. Like you just, you it wasn't really line. on purpose though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be. The idea of just doing something, having a line in there that's just quippy and clever enough that you think people will gravitate yeah. towards and like, yeah. I mean, do you remember that song? Um, oh, fuck. Tonight, Tonight. Uh, oh, Hot Shell Ray. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I got something about I got a new tattoo. It, it kind of looks just, just like, like you, you mixed yeah. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. Adding Zach what? Galifianakis <laughs> in the lyric in there is like, why the fuck would you think that that would be clever? Yeah. But so I, that actually, that song dropped at around the same time that I met with this uh, A&R for a label called Drive Through Records. It was Richard Rains. And so we went and we saw him while he had like an off day in some building in New York because he was like going to look at our record and listen to it and give us his thoughts. And so one of the takeaways we'd gotten out of that was like lyrically, I wasn't using like these slightly specific nuanced words that would help trigger the audience into remembering this song versus any other right. song that's about that in the same way. Yeah. And then the example he used for me was that Hot Shell Ray song. And I remember I've carried that with me since that day for ever since then. And this is like almost 10 years ago now. And it's, I think it's important. Like it's a really, like, I don't want to be the name of your playlist is something that you would say to somebody if you were dating a girl who fucking writes playlists for all the people she hates and writes yeah. playlists for all the people that have done that's her exactly wrong. exactly where it came from. And so that's so, <laughs> but that's so fucking classic that you would do something like that. And then a bunch of your fucking fans would take that idea and run with it. Yeah. There were a lot of comments that like, who told him we do that? And I was like, fucking this girl did. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be one of those playlist things, even though it's like the stupidest thing ever. It's something I would say. I mean, the song, it's like, I would say it when I was like nervous in a, in a situation. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be on there. The song starts out with like, something you would say when you're nervous. I was kind of, cause that's how I like it felt when I was in that situation. That's so, so funny. I the first lyric is tongue tied in this parking spot. Cause I got to say a whole lot. Yeah. It's a bar. Cause parking it's spot. It's a bar. Like <laughs> bringing it back to my rapping days, bringing it full circle. Dude, it all comes around. Oh my yeah, God. man, that's case in point. We are constantly this fucking confluence of all these influences that fucking make us who we are. And yeah. so like, insofar as you have all these different artists that have influenced you and, and not just the artists themselves, but then the people and the experiences you have with them. Dating is like such a fucking, yeah. what, a, what a great landscape for plucking, uh, you know, information out of to turn into music. Mm-hmm. It sucks that a lot of, it's easier almost, I feel like, to write when you're hurt and sad. Yeah. And that song sounded really sad. Like, Yeah, it is. It's just, I thought like for that lyric specifically, I thought it was stupid enough to keep it. Like I was like, that is the dumbest lyric I've ever heard. 
but you did, you did a couple things really, really smart right out of the gate. Being yeah. tongue-tied in a in a parking lot, right? Yeah. In a parking spot? Parking spot that Perfect. is located Even better. in a parking lot. So it, that immediately can take you to any – everybody immediately thinks of a park – Parking spot. If I yeah. say parking spot, you think it's of a word. Yeah, image, you've right given there. them good imagery and yeah. you're tongue-tied. And then you get to this point where you're like, I don't want to be the name of your playlist. Yeah. Like, that's really, really cool. smart, man. I think, you, like I said, <laughs> like, you do a lot of shit that's really smart. And those are the best practices that if that's a part of your songwriting is going to serve you very well in the future. Thank you. Um, I hope that I can, like, kind of keep that going. Uh, I feel like I've I've switched styles a little bit, like, in the past year. But, um. We'll see. Did you switch or did you evolve? Because I feel like. Yeah, no, I totally evolved. It's a way better. It was a way better word to use. <laughs> yeah, we'll say it's a great thing. I evolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've evolved. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Um, no, yeah. And that's why I think that since this next song is a, a like topically. Is, is it a love song? No, it's a it's a lot like the uh, Half My Heart song. I okay. kind of, I, I just think that's like an interesting vibe and I'm going to try and go for it again. We'll see what happens, but I mean, I don't think I can't think of anything that drives me to listen to something faster <laughs> than when I'm going through something that is emotionally taxing or dealing yeah. with, a, you know, has to deal with the heart. So, like, if you do anything that falls in that that realm, and you're as clever as you are with the way that you choose to do it, mm-hmm. and you, you, if you think of these things that we've talked about today that are like, you know, influence oriented, right? Like, if you can carry any of those, if you carry all of them forward with you as things that stand out, like you'll you're constantly be implementing new shit. That's kind of why I wanted to do this podcast. Like I, yeah. I, I don't think that I necessarily have anything intrinsically special to say other than I've got maybe a lot more experience than other people in certain avenues. So I'm going to drop the occasional nugget that's going to do well. Yeah. But I think by and large, it's the conversational thing that you do when you pull it out of people, like how you do shit. People need to see what other people's processes are because otherwise everybody thinks that they have no fucking clue what they're doing and mm-hmm. that imposter syndrome kicks in like, ah, oh, my stuff's not good enough. But if you knew that every other fucking artist around you felt the same way, like Post Malone probably feels the same fucking way. He probably doesn't. He's a genius. <laughs> but like a lot of other Everyone artists. Everyone except for him. Except for him. <laughs> He's like, that would be, I asked you that question. I think like if I had to do a song with anybody, I'd love to do a song with Post oh, Malone. Oh, yeah. I just think he does a lot of shit that's off the wall, and he's obviously very like music theory yeah. and hook oriented. He's very clever with his lyricism, and he's diverse. Like he's not just rapping; he's not just doing like singer songwriter. Yeah, he's almost country sometimes. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I've recently started to get into my buddy Don Henson uh, is the photographer for this guy Jelly Roll. Okay, and I'd never really heard of him. I'd heard of him whenever he was posting him posters pictures that he was taking on Instagram. But he has a song called Son of a Sinner, I think. And he just dropped a new one. And lyrically, this dude is like super clever. And I feel like he kind of hits that underdog, downtrodden kind of uh, space. And I feel like I kind of exist in that realm too because I feel like I've always been in this position where not the popular kid in class, one homecoming king, but like don't get to accept it because I was playing Dungeons and Dragons the night before and I was too late to school. And (laughs) you can't receive it if you're, you know, late to school that day. Like that's a weird thing. But it's a real thing. And so in walking that line, I feel like I, I gravitate towards these artists that are, I feel like close to me. Post Malone's like not conventionally, uh, maybe like a first glance attractive dude to most people. <laughs> but like, I, I think like he, what makes him attractive is his like unabashed ability to just be like, I am who I am and this is my art. Yeah. And then if you put it out there like that, it's like, how can you go wrong? So I look at yeah. somebody like you, I'm like, bro, you're clever. You're funny. You have like, you, your lyrics are great. Like your, your subject matter is very like visceral. Like they, they touch on like really like t- 
touchstone moments in people's lives that they go through. Like I, you know, I've, I've been in that parking spot, you know, yeah. like I, I get that. Yeah. And then, you know, the fact that you're a good looking dude on top of it, it's like, that puts you in the spot where you're young. So like the sky's the fucking limit. So like whatever advice you have to offer artists out there, I think you should fucking continue to just put it out there and be doing it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of advice, I kind of talked about it earlier with the, like just doing it because, um, like if you are an artist, I'll just say it again. If you're an artist, if you're not an artist or if you are an artist, no matter what it is creatively, if you're a comedian, like an actor, um, if you paint, like you're insane if you think that you can create something that you will genuinely like and enjoy and not a single other person on the planet will enjoy too. You're actually like that's that's really if you think if you put it that way, it's really um it's really shocking because I, for a long time, was like, oh, man, I'm making these songs. And, yeah, I like them. I, like, listen to them on my phone and my voice memos. But I don't know if anyone else is going to like them. And that's just a ridiculous mindset to have. The 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 challenge is just finding the person out there that likes it too. Yeah. So you actually owe it to the world to do your art and to, like, try, you know, post a video of you doing something. Yeah, we've only been creating art for, like, thousands of years. Yeah. So it turns out they're not all bangers anyway. So yeah. like just do the thing. And right. that's, that's, I feel like the thing where people get into something because they want to make money. It's like, if you're trying to make money as a musician oh, and that's your goal, field. like you're in the one, you're in the wrong field <laughs> and two, like, it's not like it can't be done, but there's gotta be appropriate ideas and metrics for success laid out for yeah. you. You have to manage your expectations. You right. can't be all delusions of grandeur. And I'm going to play this arena within two years. I'm going to be playing <laughs> in Wembley stadium or the O2 arena or whatever. Yeah. Like you just need to, trust that you're going to get to where you'll get if you put in the work and show, you know, what your value is through your art. Yeah, for sure. I, I wonder what the other side of the coin is though. When you, if you, I think it's just as foolish to think that if you write things that you don't like necessarily right out of the mm -hmm. gate, that you shouldn't release them because you don't like them yeah, as maybe. if you're the, it's the same thing. It's like, if one is true, the other has to be true. Maybe if you don't like a song, the art you make and, <laughs> but everyone's like that. Maybe that's how like those child pop stars feel like they're like, this is weird. What am I doing? But right. everyone's screaming their names. So they keep doing it. Right. Like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, seems to be working. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, dude, uh, thanks for coming on the fucking podcast. Yeah, I'm glad we so were able to do it. We, had a, we postponed, but maybe we made it work. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I got sick last no, yeah, you were like, uh, I'm actually dying, I think, right yeah. now. So, like, I'm not going to – I was like, honestly, I'm not trying to get sick, so I fuck with that. Like, yeah. thanks for giving me the heads up. But, right. dude, we did it. You're here. Yeah. Tons of fucking good words of wisdom to put out there for a lot of other artists to hear. And, and that's my goal. Like, I think if we can get people to hear some of this shit, some of it seems repetitive. Like, I, I've noticed a lot of common themes come up whenever I'm talking to artists all the time. and. Yeah. And that's just got to be because we're all going through that. Right, right. So I appreciate you coming in and being able to tell, like, your side of the story and, yeah. like, getting that out there. Because I think you you may not think it, but you definitely have shit to say and experiences that people that haven't, you know, signed up for TikTok that are musicians are like, ah, oh, it's right. going to be a waste of time. Wouldn't have even bothered. But if they happen to listen <laughs> to this and it's just that one thing that is able to push them over, it's like, mm -hmm. that's the value. Maybe bring somebody on here that's not creative at all or doesn't claim to be creative. They probably are in some way. Maybe yeah, bring yeah. them on where they don't, they aren't doing any of this. See what happens. Well, the thing is, I, <clears throat> the people that I've had on that aren't like, so I had Aeneas Hawkins, who was a defensive tackle for Penn State on. He oh, okay. is, uh, you know, he's working with Sean Clifford's uh, NIL agency, Limitless. They like are co-founders. And the parallels are still there. Really? Yeah. yeah so like, okay. and not in every aspect, like they, they can't be the same in every aspect, but right. where there can exist parallels, there fucking are. And it's funny to think about that. So yeah, I mean, the, the originally this was supposed to be skewed towards like artists and entrepreneurs and people that are just 
doing things because I think the parallels between those things, it doesn't matter what your industry is. If you're doing anything entertainment industry oriented, whether it's music or video or photography or whatever, there's plenty to take from this. If you're an artist or a creative to say, oh yeah, I don't know if my work's good enough. It's like, it's probably good enough for a lot of people. You're <laughs> yeah. saying it's not good enough to what? What What does the metric for not good enough mean? Right. But yeah, dude, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate man, thanks it. Thanks for having me. Eric Damiano, I can't wait for this fucking next song to come out, Haunted Mansion. <laughs> it's not that one. It's not that one. It's not that one. Uh, yeah. I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out. And we should yeah, do some co-writing too, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I told Jason about taking like a man retreat for like three days over a weekend and just disappearing. Oh, and yeah. uh, I was like, yeah, we'll just go somewhere, take a doll, take some fucking shit to record and just disappear and do some like co-writes. Just get get out there and get, get like people that you want to do like some co-writing with and get the ideas going. And that's my yeah, hurdle. Like I'm, I'm like at a place where I need to get – I find I do better if I'm away from everything. And it's hard to do a lot of shit here when it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to show up and do work. I got to uh, do this work. It's like I don't want it to feel like work. I, I need to be in like a Zen Airbnb somewhere in the fucking right. mountains and just like, ah, now I feel like coming <laughs> to me. We got so lucky when we did our full length because we were in Salt Lake and there was like this giant mountainscape off to the side of us. And I was like, it's hard not to think about how fucking I, – I sat in like a Starbucks writing one of these songs uh, for like four hours and I wrote the entire songs. I was just like loving the vibe of like where I was at in life in – you know, location, not necessarily at a Starbucks, but like just doing it. But yeah, I told Jason about it. He's like, dude, I'm so down. So that sounds like you're probably going to have to go too. Sorry about sounds that. Sounds like bro. it. <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. All right, bro. All that's right. a wrap. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. 